Hey everybody, here we go with another new episode of Ignorant Bliss. This time I'm talking to my friend Dominic Griffin about film in 2015. It's kind of maybe like the start of a, a small little series as I have a couple more episodes talking about film in 2015 with with other friends. And we basically just cover the basis of movies and the business and our thoughts on things and stuff we liked. We dibble and dabble and some thoughts about tempo releases and pop culture in general and award shows. A lot of Oscar talk. Prime for, you know, pre-Oscars uh, watching. So, hope you enjoy. You're the only Trying to, trying to be anyway. And you saw you was in the Baltimore City paper and stuff too. I was like, dang. Yeah, yeah, that's actually kind of the one, uh, one of the good things I really got going right now is doing uh, movie reviews over there. Just because it's like, I know I'm reaching like a, a bigger audience than just whoever I pester on the internet. So like, yeah. it's kind of cool. Like, oh, random people are gonna see this. Great. Yeah, they get to see your your thoughts on all the stuff. It's nice. So man, it was a, it was a pretty uh eventful day I didn't even plan for this like when I was like yeah let's do Thursday I didn't even think about that the actual nominations for the freaking Oscars yeah I always forget every year when it happens and like I work in a movie theater and like it always comes like right before Martin Luther King Day which is like a three day weekend you know for like you know people in the city and uh the Oscar nominations hit (laughs) if you work in or around Art House Theater it's a lot of those same movies are the ones that come through with the big nominations and people who otherwise wouldn't give, like, a single solitary fuck about some of these movies, they go online, and they're, they watch Entertainment Tonight or the news, and they see, like, you know, Spotlight's been nominated for Best Picture or whatever, and they're like, I don't know what that is, but I gotta go see it. And, uh, it's weird. Every year, it's, like, the same... I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about this. I've been kind of, like, going through some turmoil all day with uh, the nominations, you know, because there's some very... There's some very strong, very powerful films that have been nominated. And there's also a lot of just, like, typical, mediocre, you know, garbage. Um, <laughs> like, that's the only way I can put it. It's just, like, you know, uh, it's just trash. <laughs> um, well, they just ain't that hot, right? Just- yeah, you know, and uh, obviously on social media today it's been a lot of, I think, um, you know, people talking about the diversity issue and just the how reliably disappointing 
the Oscars and all these big award shows are. And the one thing I kind of keep seeing is someone being like, yeah, it really sucks there's not more representation for minorities in the awards. There's someone like, ah, well, what, who would you replace? I mean, there's so many great performances here. And I'm like, I don't have to think very hard about who I'd replace. It's oh, like, for real. It's like... It's not It's not a, a tight race. <laughs> I, yeah, like, uh, like the first thing that hit me, I was like, yo, Michael Fassman for Steve Jobs? Really? <laughs> Really? All right, I will, I will, I will say that uh, I actually one of the few people I know that really like the Steve Jobs movie. I really like Michael Fassbender. Um, I ride for Fassy, uh, but I do understand that that sense of like, and you know, this is like what the third year in a row or whatever, where you look at the I could be wrong, you know, on the actual details, but you know, you look at the nominees for all the acting awards, and it's just a bunch of white people. And like, yeah. I'm not saying that those white people aren't talented or that their work doesn't have merit or they don't deserve awards. It's just disheartening, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, all the time it's the same dudes. It's not like I really think Michael Fassbender's performance is bad. is bad. It's the fact that I think that whole film is flawed because it's too much Aaron Sorkin, and it's not enough Steve Jobs. Well, your boy Aaron Sorkin uh, was completely shut out, which I thought was interesting. Oh, oh yeah, because I think a lot of people, I think there's a lot more people in the, in, in the Academy that's like, yeah, that was too Sorkin-y. Or just people who are just like, fuck that guy? Like, Maybe. I, just, I, th- I think it's because we spent a lot of years hearing Steve Jobs talk. And we know that he didn't sound that way. Yeah. You know he doesn't talk that way. He doesn't talk super fast for no reason. Yeah. He doesn't spit out a bunch of words. Like Steve Jobs is like, let me sit down and explain to you why the iPad is awesome. And he sits <laughs> down, and he breathes, and he talks to you slowly. And yeah, he might yell at people, but it's just like... It's something that made me feel something was like, yo, hold up, the Aston Kutcher drink with Josh Gad was actually just as good as this. Nah, okay, I got it. I hate it. like so. Before I saw the uh, the Sorkin one, I prepped by watching Pirates of Silicon Valley. Oh, that's just fire with your boy, your boy <laughs> Noah Wiley, which is the the actual definitive best Steve Jobs movie. Yes, <laughs> um, the movie is flames to this day, a TNT original drama that just it kills everything. And I watched the Kutcher movie, which is like. Uh, like, I just wanted to stab myself in the hand. <laughs> Every scene, I was just like, what if I just cut my fingers off instead? No! <laughs> um, but then the, the Steve Jobs one, I had made my peace that it wasn't going to be really Steve Jobs. It was going to be Aaron Sorkin's interpretation of the Steve Jobs mythos. Yeah. And uh, I was cool with that because I like the style, but I get why other people didn't dig it as much. Um, also, you know what's interesting? I think the Steve Jobs movie... The marketing for it is was so I don't want to say lazy, but it was very much like, yeah, it's me, it's Aaron Sorkin, it's Danny it's Boyle, Danny Boyle director, Slumdog Millionaire. You know what it is? We're coming through for the Oscars. Like it was just very straightforward. Like yeah. you know, look who we got in the movie. Check it out. You know where this is going. And I think it's always interesting to me when movies that are blatant Oscar movies get completely shut out. Yes. Um, yes. Because I feel like that's someone in the Academy kind of looking like oh, they're pandering to us. And I'm like, well, yeah, but so are the rest of these fucking movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They're almost like they try too hard. Like you, Yeah, you it's always, hard. every year there's usually like one movie that pushes the Oscar thing so hard in its marketing that you know they're going to fail. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like Academy Award nominee, Academy Award winner, Academy, and you're like, you guys are pushing a little, I mean, just just let it happen. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the thing that amazes me the most is like, I'd sort of trick myself into thinking that, like, this is going to be one of those years that had a lot of cool populist movies, you know? I'm like, we had Creed, 
Creed's a beautiful, amazing movie. So you know, nice. we had a, a new Star Wars with a, a black man in the lead. We had all these cool things that happen, you know, if you're a brown person in movies. It was a pretty neat year. And the Oscars come through, and it's like, uh, yeah, about Creed, there's a movie from the guy that made Anchorman about the housing collapse. We're going to give that award instead. Right? <laughs> I like that movie. I guess my thing I is this. I did, too. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a cool movie. I, uh, I liked that it wasn't super self-serious, and I thought it was fun. And uh, I thought it had some, some, some interesting moments and stuff. But, like, in, in, here's my thing, bro. In a year... When Steven Spielberg put out a new movie, like Todd Haynes came back with, with a, a new movie for the first time in years, uh, Ryan Coogler, under the age of 30, making this amazing movie, and then it's like, let's give a Best Director award to, like, or a nomination to the dude that made Anchorman. Let's, <laughs> let's just do that. And not for Anchorman, or, like, any other, you know, powerful, amazing comedy he's made, but, like, let's give him an award for, like, sort of noodling around with uh, dramatic filmmaking, you know? Like, that's what it is. <laughs> you watch that movie, and it's just him kind of being like, ah, oh, crap, I don't really, this isn't really what I do. Um, what if we did this? It, it feels, like, fun. experimental and not in the same way. Also, shot to Quentin Tarantino got completely just, like, I mean, I'm not saying Hateful Eight's the best movie of all time or anything, but, like, uh, I, I, not even a screenplay nomination really kind of shocked me. It's like that's like Quentin's like home category, you know. No, they got shook. I'm saying I'm calling it. They got shook. They saw. They saw. They heard nigga so many times. They got <laughs> shook. They got shook. It was like I don't know. I really like. But I don't know if we should vote for this. I don't. That's that's. They got shook. They shook. They shook once. It's crazy. I mean, you know, Quentin has a very complicated relationship with uh, race relations in popular culture, obviously. You know, um, I'm a huge fan of his work. I love his films. You know, for me, uh, his use of, of, of that word has never bothered me so much. I, I always cringe when he says it in Pulp Fiction because it's fucking unnecessary. Yes. And I always feel like he should get slapped in the head every time that happens in the movie and it doesn't happen. It's the most glaring issue in all of Pulp Fiction. Yes. Like, everything about this is perfect. And then, uh, and then Quentin Tarantino walks on screen and says nigger, and Sam Jackson is a slap in the head. Like, to me, that's like, I don't know. Like, that's, that's like the most, uh, you know, people on YouTube have those, like, uh, videos about movies and all the, like, errors, all the, like, logical errors and continuity mm-hmm. problems. There should be one that's just 20 minutes talking about how, yeah, and then Quentin doesn't get slapped in Pulp Fiction. It doesn't make any sense. Like, they clean up the car. Uh, they go to this diner, Quentin remains unchecked. Yeah, it's almost like watching it for a while. It's like, okay, I can understand Quentin's character, like, straight up, has the pass with Jules in one-to-one conversation. Mm-hmm. But he did that shit around company. In mixed company. You're like, yo, like, Vincent does not get to say that shit. Like, you can't say that around him. And, and you know, I always, okay, so I always tried to rationalize it as being, oh, okay, well, this is Jimmy pressing Jules because he's in a position of power now because Jules needs him, and that's him, like, sort of overstepping the boundary to kind of show, like, the position he's in. But then, like, Jimmy is not otherwise portrayed as, like, a scummy person, and that's, like, scummy fucking, you know, behavior. Every other every other Quentin Tarantino movie where the N-word is used heavily, right, it's either spoken by black characters or spoken by, like, hideously racist, racist people, yeah. which is, like, the way I feel like you would do that. That's fine. Every other movie, you know, Jackie Brown and, like, everything, every time I hear the word, 
I'm always a little bit weirded out because of how much he uses it. But I'm like, okay, these all seem, you know, in story to be sound reasons. But then you watch Pulp Fiction and you're like, bro, not only does it not make any sense, but it's you on the screen. (laughs) You didn't cast Christian Slater to say it. You didn't get somebody else to play this role. You were like, I'm going to go in front of the camera and say nigger in front of Sam Jackson and not get punched in the face. And then before the audience can react to it, Harvey Keitel's going to show up in a bow tie. Yeah, um, I have a straight up. I was watching it because it's been on cable. I was watching it the other day. I was like, I think I was doing something, and I had this epiphany. I was like, when he wrote this, he wasn't supposed to play that role. That was supposed yeah. to be a black person to play that role, and he yeah. couldn't get a black person, so he played it himself, and he didn't change shit. Yeah, and he probably didn't think about it. He probably wasn't like, it's it's fine, it's fine, you know. Well, and and, and also, the, you know, I also wondered what if it wasn't that, and what if it's like because. Uh, you know, the whole Bonnie situation, when they show the shot in the movie of, like, you know, imagination of, like, what it would be like yeah, if Bonnie she's black. Bonnie, she's black. And then I was like, is this Quentin trying to skewer white dudes who marry black women and think they get a pass? Because I've met that guy millions of times in my life. You know? <laughs> and they all look and sound like Michael Rappaport. So, <laughs> if Michael Rappaport had played Jimmy in Pulp Fiction, no, that would be the greatest scene in Pulp Fiction. It would have went over. Because yeah, it would just remind me of that, that scene in Bamboozled. Yes. When he's doing it to Damon Wayans, you know what I mean? Like, that would that would just fit. But, like, the fact that it's Quentin always makes me feel icky. I feel you. I feel this. Like, it, it, you, like it, it shocked me the first time, and then, like, I rationalized it for a couple of years, and then get to a point where it was like, and then you literally, like, it was like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, he didn't really write that for himself. Mm-hmm. Because Bonnie's black. It was like, Jules is black. They're, like, in, like, probably a black neighborhood, like. Yeah, they're in Inglewood, I think. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like, they're not supposed, this, none of this is supposed to be, he's not supposed to be there. <laughs> like, it was great. Doesn't work. I would feel so good if in an interview Quentin was just like, guys, I know it's been 20 years, but I want to address something. And just talked about this. <laughs> like, I just want to put people at ease. But he's not that kind of guy, and I don't ever expect him to be. I, I realize that he's just one of those. Artists that I'm going to be making excuses for for the rest of my life. I'm going to um, ask him if I ever meet him. Like, yo, real talk. Quinn, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this situation. The, bo- <laughs> the body situation. The body situation. Like, let's go. <laughs> we got to have this out, bro. Yeah, I got. I just got to know for my own personal sanity. Like, like I've defended you too many times, so I got to at least know this. Like, I'm for it. Yeah, I've done this. I put in the miles on this. First of all, I would like to start by saying I'm the motherfucking man to start, I let you niggas know, hear me? If the shit hit the fan and this rapper stop the pan, coming at you niggas throats, hear me? Hear me? Do a big out in cans at the film festival, nigga, every year I go, hear me? Hear me? Big dick, that's my man, keep 40 bitches around, bring them everywhere I go, hear me? Hear me? Chilling on the boat, in the south of France, island hopping off the coast, saying drove pads when I'm waving to the folks, got the young trap lord with me looking like the Pope, hear me? Living broke before we seen it all. Niggas had to dream it all. Don't you compare me, cause they ain't nobody near me. They don't see me, but they feel me. They don't feel me, but they feel me. They hear me, hear me, hear me. Young niggas doing what it takes to survive. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Young niggas only pay attention if it's fly. Hear me, hear me. All I ever hope to do is pop it when I strive. Hear me, hear me. If they ain't playing in the game, then they hate me on the side. Hear me. Black dark shades, black leather jacket, bad chick on my arm, got me looking like the fawns, hear me? We 
the champions and about to get a ring. Same size as LeBron's. Yeah, man. For me, uh, this is kind of a weird year for me because, like, uh, at the start of the year, I sort of told myself I was going to try to watch, like, at least a movie a day. Like, if I could see 300 movies, you know, as many new releases as I can and go back and see some things I've never seen, it'd be great. I think I topped that at, like, 180. And it's, like, still a lot of movies, but I felt very, like, unaccomplished. You know, I got a lot of other, like, critic friends and stuff who, like, yeah, I watched, like, I logged 700 movies on Letterboxd or whatever. And I'm like, I don't... I just don't – I go through whole weeks where I don't want to look at a movie or anything, you know. But this year, um, uh, I was really into – I really love Creed. I thought Creed's, like, one of the best movies of the year, and it's insane to me that everyone else is not, like – like, Creed is a movie that, like, I'll be at, at the bus stop, and I'll just be thinking about a scene from Creed, and I'll just start bawling, crying at the bus stop. And I want to be able to say to strangers who think that's odd, I want to be able to look at them and be like, I'm sorry, I was just thinking about Creed – and I want them to start crying, too, because the movie's that damn good. Um, but that's not the reality. Uh, I loved Creed. I really liked um, – uh, I was really a big Furious 7 person. I know at this point it's kind of, like, cliche to be standing super hard for the Fast and Furious series, but I love those movies. I thought it was a really, really uh, amazing experience. I thought it really had a lot of emotional catharsis. That the car chases were cool. Um, th- that was a big one. I know uh, when I woke up today, I, I sort of thought Furious – Seven was at least going to get like a best song nomination or something, but you know we can dream. Uh, was really into uh, the new Magic Mike movie, Magic Mike XXL. I thought that was a really interesting film. Uh, I thought it had some amazing like the dance sequences are really well choreographed and well shot. Performances were cool. It was just this sort of like weird emotional like bro road trip movie. I don't know what I was expecting from it, but it was it just totally overperformed from what my expectations were. Um, like I said earlier, I really like Steve Jobs because I'm a Sorkin nerd. Yeah. Um, I know that's like a, the minority. I really liked Sicario. Sicario. I hate pronouncing it in public because I feel like I'm an idiot because I can never get it right. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's one of those movies where no one ever says the title in the movie. I kept waiting for Benicio to say it to back me up so I could figure out the pronunciation. He never says it. Um, but I thought that movie was incredible. It was really crazy about that. I'm glad it's nominated for uh, cinematography and a couple other things. Uh, kind of a dark horse, but I was really crazy about. Black Hat, the new Michael Mann movie that Yo, came out way back in the day. I love that shit. Oh, see, it's so, like, so few people, me and a couple of friends went to see it opening night, like the Thursday night before opening day or whatever. It was us and two guys. And all week, I was like, you guys see Black Hat yet? And people were like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, you know, Thor's a hacker. It's great. Like, Yo, it's like, the, it's like hackers, but like serious. It's like, it's just the same. Like, I saw it, it's like, it's almost like, it's kind of, it's like hackers, but. It's Michael Mann if he did Hackers. and it's just like, Yeah, yeah. It's like Michael Mann watched Hackers and was like, I bet that's not how hacking is. I'm going to go find out. And he just like drives off <laughs> and comes back like, I know how it all works now. And I'm going to teach all these actors. You know, like, I just love everything he does. I love the way he uses digital cinematography and the way he, like, creates these weird, poetic, brutally masculine worlds. You know, I sort of think the movie would have been a little bit better with someone other than Chris Hemsworth. I thought he was good, but I definitely feel like uh, – like I don't know who else, you know, yeah. but I thought. But it was like watching Thor. Like, there's a point where it's like, yo, Thor, you kick everyone's ass. Yeah, and like, <laughs> every every actor that plays a superhero it has to be pigeonholed like that. But Chris Hemsworth, we never had him before Thor. You know what I mean? Like, we never got to see him as an actor who became Thor. We met that guy as Thor. So, 
the only other movie I can think of where I saw him and I didn't constantly think about him being Thor was uh was like Rush is the name of that movie? Oh where yeah, was, it's the Ron Howard movie. Yeah, it's amazing. But then he's like your badass race car driver who kick anyone's ass. It's like, yeah, like <laughs> I always think he's just gonna like fuck somebody up regardless of the of the setting. You know what I mean? I'm never gonna be able to accept him in a romantic comedy where he's not like choke slamming people. Yes, I agree. Like. Like I got past it, but it was still Michael Mann to you making beautiful shots. To still have Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis is great, man. Ass, like, like, like a bunch of Chinese actors I didn't wasn't expecting to see, and it was a dense plot, and, and the sound mixing as always is excellent. And I'm just sitting there enthralled, like, oh man, how are they gonna find this dude? He's destroying things. It's like I'm just captivated. I was like, this is one of the best hacking movies ever to me and like yeah no it's great i mean it's killer and um i think that what's so amazing about it is that like michael mann has this tendency to like all of his protagonists are kind of like this same uber masculine super proficient at their trade or craft guy like this person that's like the best whatever the fuck they are and they're also really passionate and they're also really like tough and terse and all this stuff and like I thought this year, I was really late, but I went back and watched Thief, you know, like his like, first big movie. And, um, oh, yeah. And I realized every movie he has is a little bit like Thief, you know, like, like it's like this, it's like the, you know, the paradigm. And, um, you know, on paper, right, Black Hat sounds kind of stupid because it's like he's a hacker, but he's also really buff, and he's also really good with guns, and he's also skilled in hand-to-hand combat. It's like, you know, it almost sounds like fan fiction at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, I guess no one on the internet was calling his character a Mary Sue, though. But, um, you know, there's a real sense of, like, it's not realistic how cool this person is. <clears throat> but Michael Mann really makes you, like, buy it. Like, there's this one moment in Black Hat, I don't think it's really like a spoiler or anything, where, you know, Chris Hemsworth gets out of jail and he meets uh, his friend's sister for the first time or whatever. And the way Michael Mann shoots it is it's trying to get you to believe that they just fell in love in this, like, 13-second shot. Like, (laughs) and any other movie, I would just be like, oh, that's bullshit. But for a minute, I was like, yeah, no, connection is powerful. Like, (laughs) I just believed it. I was like, yeah, no, I mean, he looks like Thor, and she seems pretty interesting. And, like, yeah, okay, they're going to go talk about, you know, uh, code or something, I guess. Like, hacking and, like, how her brother and him was in college being awesome. Like, of course. They were, of course, like, you know, home, best friend, sister's bae. Like, it's, it's cool. <laughs> that would have been a great title for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> My best friend, sister's bae. <laughs> oh, man. You know, like, yeah, that was a that was a really, like, I was surprised when I finally saw it. I didn't get a chance to see the theater because it was gone, like, super fast. Yeah, because, like, nobody else wanted to see this movie. There was just no, no demand for it, you know, like... It's a little sad because it's a cool movie, but it also sort of proves that, uh, you know, a lot of the, like, Marvel stars, like these people who become, like, really big names because they're playing Marvel superheroes, they're not quite bankable stars outside of those franchises. And it's, like, a, a relatively, I don't want to say a new occurrence, but it's definitely, like, a new normal where it's, like, you know, Chris Evans, it's Captain America. We love that guy. If Chris Evans puts out another movie as the leading man, most people don't really give a shit. <laughs> um, yeah, because people, like... Like, Snowpiercer, people don't really... Yeah, like, I thought Snowpiercer was an amazing movie, but, yeah. like, nobody cared. Because <laughs> he's not, Cap- he's not um, Captain America. Like, who cares? I mean, I feel like maybe the only, maybe the closest thing to, like, an anomaly, this might be, like, Chris Pratt. 
because, like, Jurassic World did crazy numbers. I don't know that's really all on him. I think people just want to see dinosaurs, but... I, but I think he has a built-in... Again, I don't think he fits because, like, you know him from The Office and a bunch of other movies in which he was, like, the like the like flabby, funny dude. Yeah, and, then, and I think Chris Pratt is essentially, like, the dude version of Jennifer Lawrence now, so it's, like, <laughs> as long as he continues to be, like, you know, goofy and, like, weird on the red carpet, people are just going to be like, that's Chris Pratt. I'll see anything he does. Yeah, um, he's kind of because he was in this movie. Like, you ever see that movie? Ten years? No, Channing Tatum. Oscar Isaac. Oscar it. Isaac. That's where I first like discovered Oscar Isaac. He was in that, and like Rosario Dawson's in it. It's like all these amazing like actors and actresses. And I'm like, yo, like Anthony Mackie's in it. Like, I'm like bad people's in this movie. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and then Chris yeah. Pratt. And then Chris Pratt is being all like, nah. and then he, like out of nowhere, like he works out, drinks a bunch of water. It's like, oh shit, he's like muscle dude. And then it just, yeah, just, I guess for him, he's able to be a star because he's a TV actor. He just transitioned. I don't think like, like Chris Helmsworth didn't have a real transition, and Chris Evans. Even though he was in a ton of movies. Yeah, Chris Evans had to, like, claw his way to be a believable leading man. And yeah. that man, like, put in the, he put in the hours, dude, he put like. He work in, like, I was like. I think oh. he's very talented, too. I think he's really, he's, he's really good. I mean, he's definitely, like, I think, I always think that his performances are the best in the Marvel movies he's in. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I think that uh, what he brings to Steve Rogers is, like, way better than I think some of those movies really get, you know, uh. Because the Robert Downey Jr. people, his performance is great. I'm like, really? He's reaching, like, Johnny Depp levels of just, like, not giving a fuck, he's though. He's not like, trying. He's just, he's just being Robert Downey Jr. Like, he's like, hey, blah, 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 ha, da, 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 da. Like, all right, whatever. Like, there's a fucking kid in your movie, dude. Like, I'm already out of this, like. But I feel like Chris Evans definitely has a thing where, like, if you're watching, like, Age of Ultron or whatever, which I was not crazy about. That was a cool flick. Um... There's always these little moments, like when he's alone in the shot, where you feel like he's having his own little indie movie within this movie. Just <laughs> make it work for him, like. Like he's just like maybe bored, maybe tired of standing in front of a green screen, but he's like, all right, here's what Steve is going through. If anyone wants to watch the Chris Evans cut of Age of Ultron, it's just 20 minutes of Steve struggling internally. Um, <clears throat> I would watch that if that was a, a bonus feature in the Blu-ray. I would watch the shit out of it, uh, or maybe just a, a cut that's just. James Spader in a room recording his Ultron dialogue. I'd also be down for that. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing the movie of Chris Evans and uh, Ruffalo's uh, banner just just chilling. Talk yeah. About being, like, like lonely and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's all, all the stuff to me and Age of Ultron that worked best was that stuff. You know what I mean? Once it got to, like, all the action set piece shit, I didn't really care. I mean, uh, I... I, I the Marvel movies are a, a strange anomaly to me where it's like, I don't give a fuck about any of the action in these movies at all. Like, whenever they get to the big set piece, it's always, you know, and everything is directed all that well, and I think it's ever executed all that well. But I like the characters, and, you know, but I realize I sort of feel that way about a lot of Marvel comics, where, like, I really only read these books because I care about some of these characters, and I want to see cool moments with them. And whenever the story arc gets to the issue that's just the the fireworks factory, so to speak, I'm always like, eh, whatever. Like, yeah, who cares? I don't That's really awesome. care. I want to see more of, you know, like, Blade struggling with things or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> that's just me. I, um, I think this is an interesting year for film just because, like, you know, there were a lot of really interesting, you know, big movies that made a lot of money that were also really good. Like, I thought Star Wars was, like, pretty good. You know, I thought Creed was kind of a blockbuster style. Movie, but it was really had a lot of pathos and was really honest and human. 
Uh, Mad Max is like this really big money chugging, you know, fucking explosion marathon. But it's also really powerful and really cool and interesting and like, you know, I sort of thought this would be the year at the Oscars where we would just sort of celebrate all that shit because like, I love independent film. I love smaller, more personal stories, more esoteric fare. But uh, I, I have a real soft spot for if you can make a big expensive movie that's like designed just to sell tickets and sell toys and still make it really good, you know, cause I, I don't think there's anything uh, wrong with that. You know, I know it's kind of like a weird optimist thing, but I think that if you can make a movie that's like this movie costs $3 million and we're, we got to sell this toy, this video game and you know, this second screen experience, but if it's still good, if it's still a good movie, like that's super impressive. Um, and uh, I sort of thought this year was going to be kind of like, turning a corner for that we're, we're, like we were going to start expecting things out of our blockbusters you know like we weren't just going to accept whatever you know the fuck they throw at us but then like that's not real like I just yeah, I had a moment man. I can't remember what, I, was, I was seeing a movie and I was looking at some of the trailers for stuff next year and like and then I came home and I was on Facebook or whatever and I saw all the posts about like every two weeks next year there's like some big ass comic book movie you know and uh, a lot of them look like garbage, like straight, absolute trash. Uh, but they're all going to make, like, a billion dollars. Like, it, it's just going to happen, you know. Um, and the truth is, I think that, uh, you know, big box movie making has gotten to the point that there is no sort of discerning moviegoer. You know, it's not like we as a people are going to get together and, and tell Hollywood no with our dollars. We're just going to go see this stuff because it's out. And what else? And like you know, other everyone else you know is going to, and you want to be able to talk about it. Um, and I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. I've been kind of wrestling with that. You know, like I have, I think that uh, you know, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, real title, uh, is going to be not a very good film or even particularly watchable potentially. But I'm totally going to go see it because it's fascinating. It's going to be a huge thing in the culture. Everyone I know is going to want to see it, and I'm going to want to have conversations about it. Um, and uh, that makes me sad that, like, I don't want to see this movie, but I know I'm going to anyway so that I don't have to be the asshole who has to walk out of the room when people are talking about spoilers. Um, oh, bro, that's going to – I can't wait to be the asshole. <laughs> I'm not even going to walk out. I'm just going to shit on it. Like, I'm like, yo, like, dude, I've already crashed – I crossed that bridge the moment – when Superman broke Zod's neck, I was like, yo, I'm done. Fuck this movie. I'm <laughs> done with superhero movies. I got my own issues with Marvel, so I ain't seeing their movies. So it's just like, yo, you really want to talk to me about this? You really don't want this. You don't want that fire. You don't want, you don't want, you don't want back-to-back Drake to come out and just be fucking <laughs> a douchebag to you all day. Because that's all I would do because it's like, I don't even have beef with like, with DC, but, like, I don't, I can't give Zack Snyder no more theater time. Like, he done burned me too many times. I didn't... Yeah, he's... And, and it's it. like, when you think about a director or a filmmaker that maybe, like, fails you or, like, they made a, a movie that you don't jive with or whatever, you also think about whatever got you on board in the first place, right? You know? Yeah. Like, uh, I kind of hate everything Kevin Smith's done the last few years, but I used to really like his movies when I was younger. You know, he was, like, a big inspiration to me or whatever. Yeah. You know, but, like, I can't think of when Zack Snyder ever, like, did me right. You know what I, I mean? know. Like, like, when when did I, like, I, I mean, I guess Watchmen was all right or whatever. I guess, I don't have strong opinions about it. Um, Dawn of the Dead is cool, I guess. Like, all of his movies are just me making, like, 
a shrug face. You know, like I think 300 was fun the first time I saw it. Then I watched it again, and I was like, "Am I was that dumb?" Like I think, like I, straight up, like I know I'm not going to watch it again because I'm going to probably think to myself, "What the heck was I thinking when I said this shit was all right?" I don't want to go back. Like I don't want to know. I don't want to like condemn my my past younger self. Like I just, yeah, right. You don't want to have to face that fear because it's, it's like I see his movies now. Like real, like I'm straight honest. I was in a Dude, I was in a freaking screening of Man of Steel. I'm in the press section. It's nothing but critics. Left of me, right of me. Two, three rows in front of me. Two, three rows behind me. I'm the only dude that part of the movie is like, yo, fuck this movie. <laughs> Loud as shit. Loud as shit. They still talk about that. Like, yo, you remember I'm that time? So, I'm so proud of you. You have no <laughs> idea, like... I saw it maybe like a month late because I just I knew I wasn't gonna fuck with it. I wasn't gonna like it, you know. And I'd already read about the the, the Zod thing, so I knew it was coming, right? And uh, me and my best friend uh, went to go see it at the Alamo Draft House, and he had just managed to keep clear of any of the buzz or any of the rumors or anything. So he was just kind of gonna watch it clean. He's very open-minded. He likes giving things a chance. And um, we, oh my God, when it got to that scene. He looked at me, like, so angrily because he knew I knew. And he knew I knew it didn't warn him. You know, he looked at so me bad. like, how could you do this to me? Like, how could you know that I was going to have to experience this, like, with no warning? To this day, he still brings it up. He'll be like, you didn't tell me that Superman was going to kill somebody, man. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, it's, it's not cool. Like, people will be joking about that scene, and he's like, it's not funny. You it's know? It's cool, bro. <laughs> it's it's like not okay. Of the country or some shit, like, yo, yo, Superman's not supposed to break nobody's neck on screen. That shit is wrong. Like, I feel <laughs> this shit, I think Obama should have addressed that in the State of the Union that year. Like, it's <laughs> just a, a serious thing that happened to the culture, you know what I mean? Like, we live in a world where everyone saw a movie where Superman killed someone and thought that was shit was cool. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I just spent six months of my, my life, people walking up to me like, hey, Dom, you know what I was telling you I don't like Superman? I like Superman now. I was, like, crying on the inside. Like what? Why? He killed a guy. That's never cool. What? It's, like it's. I I barely think it's cool. Wolverine does it, and he has knives for hands. Like I know. At least know. he shows regret. Like he's yeah, like, right? Wolverine's like fuck. At least for every issue of Wolverine killing ninety ninjas, there's three issues of him drinking and narrating being sad. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Have a terrible relationship with women and like right, writing love letters to Jean beyond the grave and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? He's hurt. Like Superman, we really saw her. <laughs> yeah, yeah Superman just like uh, I had to kill this guy. And I mean, there are a lot of other things I didn't like about that movie. Uh, but that movie, the fact, my favorite thing on on some level, and it was kind of weird. But the fact that every interview with Zack Snyder is like, yeah, if you don't like Man of Steel, you're gonna fucking hate this. Like he he's making no effort to course correct. He's just like, oh yeah, no, no, they gave me more money this time. They gave me Batman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> like. I'm and that's doing... what, that what hurts, man, because it's Gal Gadot. I've been riding with Gal Gadot since Fast and Furious. Because I saw her all find this freaking trying to seduce Dom. Yeah, no, she's incredible. I think she's perfect for the part. I think she's going to be wonderful. Just not, I don't know if that's going to happen in this movie. I know, <laughs> like, man. It hurts. It hurts. I even got faith in Ben Affleck because it's like once they announce he's going to do that Batman movie, he's like, I will see a Ben Affleck Batman movie. I will watch a Ben Affleck directed Batman movie. Yeah. Dude, that that 
I read that shit. I was like, oh, oh, I don't like. I'm coming out of retirement for this. Like, <laughs> like who, like who, the town, but with bat costumes on or something. Like, I just got excited. <laughs> like, oh my god. Do you think that's how he walked in and pitched it at Warner Brothers? Like, he was just like, y'all see my other movies, right? All right, but I'm going to do that as Batman, though. I don't even think he had to pitch. I bet you he was sitting there just chilling, and they walked up to him and like, Ben, 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 yo, we, I know you got to make your own movies, but can, can one of your movies be Batman? Please, please, please. And he was like, all right, I guess I can do that. Please. We got we got to do who directed Fury to do Suicide Squad. We, see, we're trying. We're trying to get the Oscars, dog. We're trying to get Oscars. Marvel ain't getting Oscars. Know, that's interesting. Is uh, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm never a really big fan of the ongoing Team Marvel, Team DC bullshit talks. Like, I just don't care. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that the conversation surrounding Marvel's movies has always been that Marvel is this sort of conglomerate studio that plucks directors they can easily manipulate to keep the Marvel house style going, you know. And uh, I feel like that's sort of the opposite of the way Marvel operates, uh, like, in the actual comics, you know what I mean? Because like, I feel like for a while DC, you know, had that weird fake Wildstorm house style where every DC book was, like, the same shitty book. Yeah, New 52 um, DC. Yeah, yeah, New 52 DC, where just every book is, like, a shitty version of Gen 13. you got to accept that. Um but, like, now, you know, DC's doing, you know, a bunch of random craziness and weird stuff, and their movies reflect that, I think. It's like, you know, the fact that they went and got David Ayer, the guy that wrote Training Day, to make a Suicide Squad movie is, like, really wild to me. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it doesn't seem like... The fact that Will Smith is in it, like, none of it makes sense. No, um, no, Viola Davis, Will Smith, Margot Robbie... Yeah, Mar- it's just, Crazy cast, you like know. Top too. If it wasn't for the Revenant, you know. Um, yeah, I know. Like, like what? Like we could, that, like we could have had Tom Hardy in this too. He was about it, but he's just like, man, I gotta go make this other movie. Still in the fucking woods with Leonardo DiCaprio and this fucking bear. And I gotta promote Mad Max, which I'm not mad at since Mad Max is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Mad Max is great. Mad Max is great. But you know what I mean? It's weird that that Warner Brothers, their whole DC thing is like just getting these like random motherfuckers to make their movies, um, and then and then they're sort of you know purposefully touting them as being uh, unique experiences. You know, what I mean? they're they're not selling you this is the DC movie style. They're selling you, hey, whoever makes these movies is going to do a bunch of weird stuff. You know, like. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, that's going to be hit or miss, obviously. You know, because some of those movies are still going to be made by Zack Snyder, but. Um, no, that makes me so sad. But I like the idea of it. You know what I mean? I like the idea that James Wan is making an Aquaman movie with Jason Momoa. You Dude, know, it's kind of so weird. That's so like, like, it's just cool, you know? Like James Wan, like he, he's he's already like he was making some fire movies already. Then he was able to follow up my man Justin Lin on Black Avengers. <laughs> Black Avengers, yeah. And continue the awesomeness. And he was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take Carl Drogo. And we're gonna make we're gonna make Aquaman fire. And I'm just like, all right, dog. All right, all right. Man, I'm riding with you. If this is what you want to do, I'm with it. Yeah. Like I you 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 kept Black Avengers going. Like Black Avengers three or Furious <laughs> Seven. Everybody who wants to call it by whatever. Black Avengers three, they was dropping cars out of airplanes. They was doing they was flying cars. They was doing everything. So I'm like, oh, if this man can't make Aquaman beast mode, then then you, they it's a lot of cost. Give it up. Like he's just he's he's a joke forever. Like you just let it go. But I have hopes. I have hopes for them. Like to me, it reminds me of DC of the mid '80s when they was doing stuff like, yeah, we'll do Watchmen. Yeah, we do Camelot three thousand. 
Yeah, we'll do Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, we'll do Batman Year One. Yeah, we'll do George Perez's Wonder Woman reboot. Yeah, we'll do Man of Steel. We'll get rid of Legion of Superheroes. Or Superboy and all that. Who cares? Whatever. We'll do whatever. And then it's like when they when they take an L's, it seems like that's when DC stuff comes out on top when they take L's. comical disaster oh my God. um every week a new thing that shouldn't have happened but did dude and i had then, so much potential when they announced it i was so i was like this could be fire and then it came well out. you know why you know why because they announced it with grant morrison's writing action comics number one and like you can't fuck that up like yeah, that's true the, that's the rest of the announcement fire. could have been and we're taking your firstborn that would have been like worth it, worth <laughs> it baby. you know uh but then the rest of it wasn't of the same caliber. And even even Grant's action comics run is kind of weird. You know what I mean? It th- definitely was like an acquired taste. I liked it a lot, but... Oh, yeah. The, his first his first arc is good. Like, and even the way he ends it, because he ends it on a point where, like, you kind of need to read those last two issues to even get multiversity at certain points. Cause yeah, yeah. It, is a, <laughs> it definitely was, like, not self-contained or new reader friendly as they pretended it was going to be. Hell no. But, yeah, but I don't know if they expected that from Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, you get Scott Snyder's Batman run was pretty cool. You know, I'm still reading that. I guess uh, there's some cool stuff with the Flash initially when um, uh, what's uh, Friends of Manipul I think was on it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I think we got some good benefits of that because of this Flash show. Yeah, definitely. I wasn't the biggest fan of the, how they rebooted the Flash and get got rid of certain things, but when I watched the show and they took some stuff from that and the stuff from you know the past and other, mm-hmm. I was like. Alright, alright, it wasn't all for naught. Like, I can let that ride. Because, like, the whole Harrison Wells thing and the arc and the reactor explosion, like... Oh. It was cool. I'm it was like, perfectly... Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the Flash show, people don't really say it, I guess, a lot, but the Flash show really does feel like the DC version of, like, how Ultimate Spider-Man was when it first dropped. Yeah. You know, Ben is, like, I mean, he gets a lot of shit for a lot of things for a lot of good reasons, but, like, you know... Uh, at that time, you know what I mean, like the way he simplified and modernized the the, the way a Spider-Man book should look and feel, um, you know, Mark Bagley and, and everything, it was uh, it was cool. Like I, I remember thinking, it was like I'd never had Spider-Man before. You know, thinking like I could just go with this for years and not care. And when I first started watching this Flash show, I felt the same way. I read all of Jeff Johns and stuff, and all the old Mark Wade stuff. You know, I like the Flash, but I love this version of the Flash. Like it's so much fun. I think DC isn't really getting enough credit for these. You know, I don't. Really, I'm not that crazy about Arrow personally, but like between Arrow and the Flash, and now this new Legends of Tomorrow thing, like Supergirl, Supergirl. Like it's I haven't watched that much either yet, but like it's just you can tell that it's like fun. These shows don't yeah. really feel like they're ashamed. And even iZombie, like people are not people are like slacking. Like 
they even doing those Vertigo shows that, yo, it's all right. Like, I'm, I saw that trailer for Preacher, and I'm like, some people was mad. I'm like, oh, that looks like an interesting TV show. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> that looks like, like the, the first interesting TV like, show on AMC I've seen in a long time since, like, my my base fell off since Breaking Bad and, and Mad Men left. I'm like, oh, I need something. <laughs> Anything, man. Because Walking Dead you know what? for me. AMC feels exactly the same way, too. Because, like, <laughs> nothing they have put on the air has stuck outside of Walking Dead. Yeah. And, like, there's only so much you can fucking do with zombies. Like, every other new show they got is, like, the tagline might as well be, like, please watch this. Yo, Hall and Catch Fire, fire. I gave that joy two hours, and I was like, y'all trying to, y'all trying to make a Steve Jobs show. Or Bill Gates, Bill Gates show, and it's just not working. It's not working for me on that that low winter sun. I'm like, God damn it! Oh right, yeah. It's just like, who cares? You got Lenny, you got Lenny James, and you fucking up. And Mark Strong, and you fucking up. Like Mark Strong is is an underrated individual. I will watch Mark Strong show up as the angry asshole dude in any movie, any show, cell phone commercial, you know, halftime show, whatever. Like he's just he's killer. And that show was garbage. There was a period in which he was like the goat villain for like eighteen months. He was in like oh, yeah, where it was like, all right, we need someone British. Uh, we need their face to look really fucking sharp, and uh, they need to look like they knife people for sport. Like, oh hey, I got Mark Strong's number. Let's see what he's doing. Oh, he was the man. Like, That's what killed me at that Green Lantern movie is that him and Sinestro was so perfect, and the rest of the movie is just ass. It was like. I'm they, they, the little animated movie did it correctly. It's Training Day in Space. Yep. How do you mess up Training mm. Day in Space? <laughs> I always, I mean, people always hate when uh, you know, when when you're describing a movie in that in that way, like like the basic log line. This meets that. But if you have a movie with the right this meets that, it's like, oh, oh I will, I, I'll pay money for that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. If you, you can't do, fuck that up. Yeah, if you do, if you if you put yeah, just like you put the right things together, you see why some dudes walk into an exec room, conference room, and walk out with a hundred million dollar budget. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, like, oh, that's there. There are just sentences studio executives sit in their office all day waiting to hear, you know. And um, if you say the magic words, the the floodgates of of, of cash open up, and uh, there's nothing sadder than when someone fucks one up, you know, because those those sentences are magical. <laughs> it's like it's so easy. Train day in space is gorgeous. It's like a beautiful thing. And then here comes Ryan fucking Reynolds. You know, that whole movie. Yeah. Just so sad. But, you know, I mean, he's getting his little, like, second shot of glory, Deadpool or whatever. Which looks fantastic. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just worried that I'm going to see it and like it, and then everyone else is going to like it so much and not stop talking about it until I hate it. And I wish I was more mature than that, and I wish that I was not a person that left things like that ruin my enjoyment of things but that's just who I who I am and I have to accept that at this point in my life it's, it's, they're gonna they're gonna um, oversaturate you you can't they're gonna kill me man it's like when you hear a song on the radio for like six months and you're like never mind fuck that song yes and I don't I don't wanna be that person I keep trying to find a way as myself to like accept things and if I like something and then everyone else likes it I can still like it but then if someone likes it that I don't like I like it less because I, I start questioning myself, and I start looking at it with these, like, evil sunglasses on, and I just, and I can already tell. The first time I saw a Deadpool trailer, I was like, this is really cool. 
a week later, after seeing it on my social media feeds and seeing people commenting on it and stuff, I was like, I don't even fucking like Deadpool like that. You know, it was just, I started feeling all conflicted about it. In reality, it's a movie about, uh, like, a weird, char-faced hitman breaking the fourth wall. It's not complicated. I should just yeah. go enjoy it, you know. I, I just like it. I like the trailer because it looks like what I read as a teenager. I'm like, yeah. wow, you you guys did this like you said you would. Because usually they say, it's going to be perfect. We're going to do it exactly. They'll be like, liar. Straight, straight, <laughs> DJ Khaled voice. You a liar. You're a liar. You a liar. <laughs> and then you see that trailer and be like, well, shit, he ain't a liar, you know? Like, they never lied. I, it makes me think about, uh, I remember being a teenager or whatever, and uh, when uh, they made the Daredevil movie. And, you know, Wizard Magazine would have the interviews with the director and stuff, and they'd be talking about how they had, you know, Frank Miller's visionaries trade paperbacks on set, you know, and the cinematographer was looking at it, and that's how they were getting their shots and stuff. And I remember being, like, you know, 16 or whatever, thinking, like, the whole world's about to change. They're about to, like, yeah. really get this Daredevil movie off. And they didn't. That's right. In case you want to go back, it was DJ Khaled. You a liar. <laughs> It's just they didn't get it right, you know. And I mean, obviously, it came back around at the show, and the show was real cool. But like, I uh, I was rewatching like a couple of random scenes from the Ben Affleck movie, and I just wanted to cry. I was like, how? Did... It's crazy when we think about like, you know, was it ten? It's like ten years ago, twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, whatever, fourteen years ago now. And uh, you know, that's what we were accepting. Like that was good enough for us, kind of. You know, like there wasn't a lot of options. Like, if they said Ben Affleck was Daredevil, you were happy to see Daredevil. You just kind of had to roll with the punches. And ben like, Affleck was in Sapphire movies back then. You know? He was. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm always riding for, for Ben. But, like, you know, today there's so many. I remember thinking in 2003 the fact that there were, like, five comic movies thinking that was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, wow, we got, like, X-Men. And then we got, like, the Hulk. We got all this stuff in the same year. And, like, nowadays that's, like, you get that shit in the same month. You know? It's, <laughs> we had this weird point where, like, Literally, if they was to spread them out, it would be one every six weeks. <laughs> but, you know, in the summertime, they're going to be just hit them back to back. But still, it's like seven movies. Like, I think Game is still supposed to come out this year, and they haven't even started shooting yet. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just crazy. They're just churning them out, you know? And, like, it's getting to a point, too, where, like, I don't know, you know, when you – it used to be – I used to – I've always really followed, uh, you know, like – projects and development and stuff. I love reading, like, Variety and shit like that and, like, you know, read about what's being worked on and what's being greenlit and, and, you know, reading drafts of screenplays I found on message boards and stuff. It's always kind of like been something I like to do. And when I was younger and I did this on the Internet, there were always movies that would get announced or someone would get attached to a project. And you'd know in the back of your head, like, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it would fall apart. You know what I mean? Like, you knew you weren't going to get X movie. And, like, nowadays, these things get announced – and you kind of have that same feeling, and then, like, it's out before you know it. You're like, wait, they did it? They did it? They shot it already? Yeah, yeah, yeah they shot it. Like, like what? Yeah, like, it's dropping. Like, it's a trailer. It's happening. Like, <laughs> like, yo, what? I didn't know that was old to really exist, but I'm watching a trailer. Like, bruh, yeah. like, who? I mean, like, what we were talking earlier, there's a preacher show coming to TV, and, like, Seth Rogen wrote it. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a thing that, like, you know, you would think would exist, but it's really fucking happening. And that's kind of like the new normal now. It's just like, uh, you know, something someone, something gets announced and there's a part of you that's like, that, who, would, who would make that movie, you know, 10 months later? <laughs> yeah. uh, pre-order pre-order the, the 4K video file on iTunes, you know? 
<laughs> they already got the pre-orders up. Like, let's go. <laughs> it's happening. Like, it's going to come out. Like, stop playing. Like, yeah, yo, yeah, and Gambit, right? You know what sold me on Gambit? And even though I'm not seeing it, we're seeing my man, spoilers, anybody listening to this, when Channing Tatum pops up in Hateful Eight, with his accent, starts speaking French and, and Spanish, and I was like, oh, young Channing Tatum about to beast out as Remy, as Remy LeBeau. He about to beast in, out. Until just this minute, <laughs> it didn't even occur to me how much that is like a Gambit audition tape. That whole thing is a Gambit scene. He's macking the lady, like, hitting her with the with the French, and she get open. Was it Minnie gets open with the yeah, French? Yeah, it's like, oh, 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 that's Remy LeBeau right there. He about to throw some cards at somebody. Oh, oh, it was for real. Like, oh, if he was faking on, on, on my man Channing Tatum, Mr. I Can Do Beyonce and bring Beyonce out on Spike TV. But okay, watch. Watch Magic Mike going to kill. He's going to kill the game. He's going to have everybody Channing Tatum is, like a, is a perfect human. And, like, uh, I think – I'm trying to remember. I think that the movie that officially got me open for him where I was like, this guy is, like, going to be huge is, like – was 21 Jump Street, because he was just so funny. funny. I'd never seen him be funny before. He was so funny, Chico. (laughs) He's just so, like, he's so likable. And it's not, like, a weird fake likable. Like, people think Chris Pratt is likable or whatever, and I get it, but he always seems to me, like, people that are likable like that, I always think is kind of weird and fake, you know what I mean? Where they're, like, you know, uh, sort of carefully quirky. You know, it always irritates me. I just always think in my head, like, that person in real life, I'd probably want to hit them. Uh, but Channing Tatum, I just want to hang out with him. I want to, like, just do Channing Tatum stuff. I don't know, like, beer pong or whatever. Like, you know, he seems like maybe he has, like, a like he makes his own beer in his basement or something. And then, like, sandwiches and, like... Yeah, it's just, it's just cool, you know? Um, I can't remember... I don't even know if they have a director for the Gannon movie. I thought it was the guy that did, like, the last Apes movie, or the first Apes movie. I don't though. know. I straight up forgot. I, but... I don't, I don't when I first even really care. Like, nah, I don't either. Like, it don't matter. Like, yo, Channing Tatum is gonna be speaking French in occasion because he from he from Louisiana and he gonna be throwing cards at people. Like, that's like if it, what's like, great. Is that's all you need in a Gambit movie. Like, I don't know what the plot's gonna be. Who's gonna be in it? I mean, like, I'm not even. I don't even give a fuck about Gambit. Really, he's gotta steal something. That's it. Like, he's gotta steal some shit. He's gotta throw some cards at somebody. He's gotta say my share or whatever. And, um, I mean, that, they don't even really need a script. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to make itself. You got to, you're going to have a fine chick to play Belladonna. Gambit going to have a bay. He's going to steal the stuff. It's going to be like Ocean's Eleven or some shit by himself or Thomas Crown Affair. Like, like, dude, man, I knew it. When I saw my man's coach card, I was like, that white boy going to be something. And it was like. <laughs> you were, you were an early adopter. Yo, I straight was. I saw him. I was like, hold up. He's coach a white Parker. dude. That like could like believably talk like a white street dude, and then I saw Step Up. I was like, oh, he could dance, like, for real dance, like not no bullshit. Like I need to train. Like oh, he really he be dancing in the hood for real. He was dancing oh. like that. And, yeah. Then I remember like oh shit, he was a he was a Sean John Michael model. Oh, he got the puffy cosign. It's a wrap. Oh man, that's crazy. See, see, like he be faking. I was like yo. By the time you got the 21 jump seat, I was like, oh, this movie's going to be fine. It got Teddy Tatum and my man what is this joint from, from Superbad. Like, oh, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. And he can act. Then Teddy Tatum had to upgrade on people and started, like, being in serious movies with Soderbergh. I was like, yo. Yo. I'm so happy for that dude. I want to get that dude to death in real life. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it's a come up that you actually are, like, happy for. I was like, yo. 
Sometimes people become big movie stars, and you, there's always a part of you that's like, how the hell did that happen? How did we let this happen? Yes. <laughs> you know? Like, we're all complicit in some of these people's rises to stardom. But Chan Tatum, I feel good for every uh, Chan Tatum movie ticket I purchased. I feel like I was contributing to something greater than myself. Like, Rooney Mara, I don't know why she's a star. I mean, she's not, really. I mean, like, they the one thing she had... Like she is, though. They be pushing her so heavy. Yeah, but I mean, like, she, had, she she's getting pushed the way that, like... Who's that British singer that was on that song with Ariana Grande and Nicki Minaj? Jesse J. All right, like, the music industry pushes her every year, like, you know, like like candy corn or something, and it just doesn't work, you know? And I feel like Rooney Mara is a little bit like that. I think Rooney Mara is talented. I think she's a good actress. I thought her, she was really good in Carol, you know, but um, I don't really, like, need to see her and stuff. I'm not, like, clamoring for more Rooney Mara content. Um, I don't know. I mean, because she had that, you know, she was in the Girl the Dragon Tattoo remake. I guess her red thought that was going to be a big hit. Uh, that was definitely David Fincher doubling down, thinking people were going to want to see a three-hour-long movie about weird Swedish rape on Christmas or whatever. Um, yeah, they came out a long time. Millions of dollars in the process. I like that movie, though, but it was... Yeah, I liked it better than the uh, the Swedish version, honestly. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Fincher nerd, but I remember when that came out thinking, like, that movie had the potential to really move the needle in terms of, like... You know, if you see directors and filmmakers and, and writers and stuff who are, like, a little bit older... They, they constantly lament how they can't get the movies they want to get made because all anyone cares about is superhero movies and yeah. stuff. That's kind of true. But David Fincher was, like, the one person in a real prime position to make, to sort of bring back the mid-budgeted, you know, uh, adult drama. Like, a movie for grown-ups that doesn't involve capes or science fiction or whatever that was just about, you know, people and, and stuff. And, um... You know, he made the social network, and that was made a lot of money, and then he did this, and people kind of thought, all right, here we go. Fincher's going to, like, bring it back. Because if that, if that movie had made a lot of money, we would have seen a lot more, you know, novel adaptations again and, you know, more procedural yeah, that's not, things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's not young adult fiction, but actually, like, adult you know, fiction. like the shit you see in grocery stores. Like, those are the books that – I feel like the people that write those books that you see in grocery stores, they know that they're just waiting for Ben Affleck to read one of those books, you know, and then they're going to get that movie money. And there was, like, this last couple of years, no one was really doing that. It was just, you know, they were going to the young adult section, so. Yeah, you get, like, Gone Girl, and that was, like, a blip. Like, it was yeah, a hit, Gone but Girl's it was, like, an anomaly. And then, like, now you're going to get, like, what the, 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 the chick on the train or whatever, like, sitting on whatever the heck that movie's called. And, that, and that's going to come out. That'd probably be another lobby, but we still getting, what is this thing with um the fifth wave? That's, like, I don't even know what it's about. I can't tell these things apart. And I'm not, I'm not a person who, I don't really look down on young adult fiction or anything like that. I think, you know, it's cool. It's just that, like, so many of the people snatching up these properties and developing them and, like, hot-shotting them onto the screen, they're not, none of them feel different than the other ones. Like, yeah. they literally, I just look and it's like, all right, some young white girl is going to save the world. Cool, great. Just how I've always wanted it, you know? Um, there's a world and everything is really hard, but this white girl who's, you know, 17 and has brown hair is perfect, and she's going to change everything because she's so different, special. And you're like, cool, I guess? And I mean, okay, saying that aloud, it sounds kind of like sort of fucked up and sexist because I guess every movie that's about a young white dude doing the same thing, I don't really mind or whatever. I don't think um, it's fucked up as sexist, but it's still just like, just because you change the sex of the character, it's still so young, white, it's still, yeah, so young, like, sort of like, 
And you know what's weird is, like, I didn't give a fuck with, like, Star Wars, right? I mean, Star Wars is the quintessential young white dude saves the world movie. True. But, like, Star Wars is also really dope, right? And then a lot of these newer movies, I don't care about any of the people in them. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they don't... You know, Harry Potter was such a big phenomenon because, you know, it's, it's sort of engrossing mythology and the characters are really rich and, and their relationships are powerful. And, like, Hunger Games probably is similar. I've heard good things about the book. I've never read it because I don't really give a shit. But uh, some of the ones that have come since then, I'm just like, wait, what is this about? And someone explains it to me, and, like, it always sounds like a fake Tumblr post. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a joke. Like, someone's like, yeah, yeah, it's about this. And I'm like, wait, that's what it's really about, though? Like, someone someone wrote that down, and then someone else said, we'll take it, and then printed it, and they sold a bunch of copies, and now they're making a movie to do the same shit. Like, yeah. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> You know, um, and I mean, I don't know. I I think it's cool. You know, I want young people to have their own things and stuff. You know what I mean? I used to really fuck with the Animorphs very heavy. If, uh, <laughs> you know, for all I know, this is the Animorphs for young kids, and I don't want to take that away from them, you know, but just on, uh, at a glance, I don't, I don't really see a fucking with Animorphs, you know? <laughs> um, and in my head, that's always going to be the, uh, the, the measuring stick. The Animorphs is going to be the measuring stick for young adult fiction to me, so... Um, it's, it's interesting, man. I mean, uh, Hollywood goes through these trends, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's, it's just, it's a natural thing. If, uh, you know, the same way in the 1980s in comics, you know what I mean? Every major publisher learned all the wrong lessons from Watchmen, right? Watchmen was a huge thing and everyone's like, all right, let's make dark and gritty superheroes that can't fuck good, you know? And then that was the whole paradigm. No one looked at it and said, oh, let's make really thought-provoking genre-bending, you know, speculative fiction. You know, no, no one was trying to push the boundaries and stuff. They just wanted to make dark, gritty shit, right? And Hollywood does that every fucking year. So if something makes a lot of money, there's always two lessons to learn from that success, and they always pick the shitty lesson. So it's like, you know, uh, Harry Potter was huge because it was like, you know, like I said, it was an engrossing, powerful series, and then had a built-in audience, and that audience really gave a shit, and, and they translated well to, to, to movies. It was really cool. And then after that, every studio person was like, your job is to find the next Harry Potter. And it's like, if that's what you're seeking out to do, you're just going to end up with mediocre shit, okay. you know, because then you're just looking for this sort of surface-level signifier crap of, like, you know, uh, hey, look, it's like – there's got to be young people, there's like a love triangle, there's some post-apocalyptic element, uh, everyone has really shitty jargon to describe things, and everybody dresses up like a really bad old Madonna video. Done. Next young adult fiction title, you know? And no one's been looking for anything deeper than that. And I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be like fucking Dostoevsky or something, you know, but it would be nice to know that it was something more than just, you know, mediocre young white girl saves the world with like, you know, being different than the blonde girl that she doesn't like, you know? Yeah. I always feel like it's that. I always feel like it's someone who, like, really thinks that they're, uh... Oh. Sorry, I just had a call come through. All right. Uh, my you know, bad. You, um, you know the Apple... Everybody knows the Apple basic ringtone now. It's like the yeah, beat. Right. Somebody need to make a beat. Metro Boomin need to make a beat out of that. Metro don't trust you. I'm gonna shoot Oh, man, that'd be fire. Um... We just need Metro doing more things. We gotta get Metro like doing film scores next. Yo, if I, if, yo, we can get Metro booming and what's the, what's this old boy name? Uh, um, Metro and um, is it DJ? Uh, shit. 
whatever. Them two, when they be dancing in the future videos. Oh, you're talking about, oh, you're talking about DJ Esco. DJ Esco. DJ and the motherfucking yeah. planet, yeah. No, if I get them two, them two, they need to, yeah, I need them doing some type of movie or TV show or something. Like, they just I, gotta make, they can make me one Star Wars spinoff movie where when the yellow prologue crawl comes up, if I can just hear the Metro Boomer wants some more ad lib, dude, I want that written, about. written. Metro Boomer wants some more, nigga. Like I'll be like, yes, all right, I'm about this lightsabers. Let's go. <laughs> so, we could, we could, if we if we stand hard enough, we could probably get Future in a Star Wars movie somewhere. Yo, his name's Future. <laughs> yo, I don't know if you watched DJ Khaled's Snapchat, but when he was hanging out with Future in the club the other night, and Future had on a NASA jacket, like in the club, <laughs> dude, you understand. Like he needs to be putting something. Like they need to put future in something. Like I don't know what he can be somebody in the background. Like he need to be in the new Star Trek movie or something. Like I don't know. <laughs> just <laughs> just future on the bridge. Just future. Just future's here, yo. He's the future. Like yo. Future with Zachary Quinto in the teleporter. Spock, like future and Spock, just like yo, man. I'm sorry what happened to Vulcan, bro. <laughs> you want some of this Lena Adderall? You know, Percocet, it's trippers. Oh, man. I'ma tell you like this, nigga. I got a hundred G's on my line. I ain't eating Jackson's when I be in Overtown. Bitch, I'm eating lavish. Look up, oh, it's snowing now. I just throw the cabbage. Gonna hold it down. Got an order in the attic. That's a couple pounds. New Rolex that I ordered. That's a hundred thou. Time to milk the game, bitch. I went and bought a cow. My nigga GDK a goon. He'll gun you down. Slid up on him with the stick. Yeah, sat him down. My nigga nuts so slick. They ain't pat him down. I got a hundred niggas on my line. A hundred squares at a time. They can hold it down. Addicted to money. I'm addicted to chips. My whole is gay. Now she addicted to dick. Addicted to this. Addicted to that. I'm getting them sacks. It's more addicted than crack. I'm addicted to money. I'm addicted to chips. I'm a little. Yeah, while we're on subject of Star Trek, I'm a little bit heated that Idris Elba is about to be in Star Trek. As a like alien, <laughs> as a shark, he looked like a shark character from like he looks like Mr. Turtles carrying the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, like he looks like he's about to say Jossum at any given moment. <laughs> I was like, oh, where's he just Elba? Did it hit me like the second time I watched the channel? Like, oh, he's the shark guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he has makeup on. Oh, okay, yo, this year there's been a lot of uh, movies where people have makeup on and they look like Power Rangers villains because like. Oscar Isaac is playing Apocalypse in his X-Men movie, and he looks just like Ivan fucking Ooze. Like, that's not... That can't be unintentional, right? Like, Dude, someone to had point. to have looked at the mock-up of that and been like, that looks familiar. Dude, it's the, it's the, it's the nature of nostalgia. If everything... We're getting to the point of, of such a 90s nostalgia base that's subconscious that Power Rangers is fire. <laughs> and now, the awesomeness that is Japanese supervillain design is going to take over because their villains have to be made by, have to be not drawn on a piece of paper or animated in the cartoon, but made in the costumes that people have to run around and jump kick people in. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not against the sort of like Sentai transforming influence. It's just like, it's yeah, it's crazy. It's starting to happen. I don't, I believe you. I see what you're saying. It's weird. <laughs> like, oh no. Like, yes. Well, I mean, the reason it's weird to me is because you're not hearing any of these people in interviews be like, yeah, I was really fucking influenced by the 
Power Rangers, you know, or like it's just happening. And I imagine if they were confronted with it, they would have to realize like this happened. Yeah, this is like inside of me, and I put it out here. They don't want to release that secret. Yeah, right. That secret power, like what? They they understand. They know the power of Zordon. They know they know what's good. They know about the more phenomenal powers of the Power Rangers. They're, so they're developing. I can't remember what studio is doing it, but someone is developing a new Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Oh yes. And like I was hoping they would cast some ridiculous important actor to play Zordon. I just don't know who they're gonna get. They like, haven't cast him yet. I'm a, yo. Oh dude, I hope they do get somebody crazy. Oh man! I don't know who you'd get, but like anyone would be funny. Like anyone would be interesting. Alexander Skarsgård or something. <laughs> Rangers, like, yeah, y'all. Once, oh man, I'm thinking about that shit all for the rest of the night. <laughs> what old white dude can can be freaking Zordon? I mean, there's sort of a point I think in Hollywood where it's like it really sucks, right? Because okay, if you're an actress and you turn like 34, you immediately have to start playing someone's grandmother, right? Yo, that shit bothers me. That's what bothers me about Joy. Right, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a strange... Well, here's what was rude to me about Joy, is that, like, uh, it's not a bad movie. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. It's not a yeah, bad movie at all. It's not a bad movie. There's some cool shit in it. But, like, I thought that Jennifer Lawrence playing, like, this sort of, like, weighted-down single mother was so strange to me because I never really bought her performance. She never, like... I thought the film did a really good job of selling this this struggle to me, mm-hmm. but I don't think she really did. And I really think that, like, it's weird to me that if you're an actress, the minute you get past, like, 25 or whatever, you start playing, like, older moms and stuff, and it's like, there are women actually that age that have to act, they have to play, like, corpses or whatever to get on screen now, you know? Yeah, like, like, it's, that's what bothers me, it's like, Yo, her twenty-five-year-oldness betrays her ca- the character she's playing. Like that woman is a twenty-five. That woman is thirty-five years old. That yeah, has lived and has like lived. It has like some like grit. And then the whole movie is just like here's Katniss trying to make a mop, you know. Um, and what sucks is that like I feel like for men in Hollywood it's the opposite. It's like you could play nineteen until you're like thirty-two. Yo, Zac Efron is going to be playing like a twenty-year-old till at least another like five more years. Yeah, you know what I mean? Leonardo DiCaprio only in the last couple of years started looking like a regular-ass man. And Barely. He's he just 40. Yeah. 41, I think, you know? Bat Pitt, even though he's in his mid-40s, still look like, oh, yeah, if you need to play a dude that's like 32, you're going to shave, you be straight. Yeah, and that's so fucked up. Because it's like, you know, the thing, what I was saying, the thing with Zordon is like, if you're an actor, right, like you're a dude, especially if you're fucking British, if you're old enough, there's a point where you're going to work every year because someone's going to have to play the old British dude. Yeah. You're going to have a good amount of dialogue. You might not have any character growth. You'll probably die to teach the hero a lesson. But, like, <laughs> you will get, get some work. And if you're an older actress, it's like, eh, someone might need to be a grandma for, like, five minutes before she dies. You know? And I, I feel like there's this, I mean, I'm not I'm not exactly setting the world on fire with this observation. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely, like, common knowledge. But... Every time I see it in action, it, like I just I think about it, and it takes me out of whatever I'm watching. You know, yes. um, I was talking to someone recently about Kevin Costner, right? We were talking about the movie Tombstone, which always leads to the conversation about Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp movie, yes. which is like three hours longer than Tombstone. Um, but part of the reason that movie always fucks with me is that Kevin Costner plays Wyatt Earp over this long period of his life, and there's scenes where he plays him as a teenager, and Kevin Costner's a fucking grown-ass man. He looks. He, he's looked like someone's father his entire career. Okay. Yeah. He has never not looked like your dad. Um. And he thought it, he he didn't think it was weird 
that he was going to play wider, but like as a teenager in this movie, he he he, he probably didn't hesitate once. Yeah. Um. And that was the norm. And to me, that's like the absolute apex of that line of thinking. It's just like this old ass white dude thinks he can pretend to be seventeen again. We got to fucking go along with it because why not? Yeah, it, bo- it 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 really it bothers this shit out of me too. Like I said, like and like I like J Law. Like I really do. And she actually kills in her performances. But there's this thing when she's with was it David O. Russell, right? Yep. He always casts her as female characters that is way older than her by like ten years. Mm-hmm. Like Civilized Playbook. No, I don't believe that you're a widower. Whatever problems you have. That is somebody I can buy. If you was 28, I can rock with you. I believe it more if you was 30. And then she's always in moves with Bradley Cooper. I know Bradley Cooper's like 38, 42 years old. <laughs> I know old. how old this man is, yeah. Like, he's a grown-ass man. Like, he would do some more shit. That, like, he's older than me. Like, I'm supposed to believe that you really in a real relationship with this, this 22-year-old girl who looks 22 years old on screen? Fuck out of here. It's just weird. I mean, because it's like, here's the thing. It's not that there's a shortage of younger parts for her. She's a she's one of the most bankable movie stars on the planet fucking Earth right now. So when you think about that, like, you know, uh, Marissa Tomei or someone has to wait around to be someone's wife for ten minutes in a movie, you know. Um, I, I watched a lot of movies uh, in really quick succession in the month of December. I watched, like, 35 movies or something. And um, uh, I, I couldn't remember what movie I was watching where Marissa Tomei was someone's wife, and I realized it's because she does that part in so many movies, and the part is never anything. The part mm-hmm. is just, you're this dude's wife, here are the four lines of dialogue you always speak, and you don't matter beyond this, you know? And um, I, re- I ended up remembering that the movie was The Big Short. Yeah. But uh, I was outside of uh, a theater that Spotlight was leaving, and I had to stop a guy. I was like, yo, is Marissa Tomei in this? Because I just seen Spotlight two days earlier, but I watched it with, like, four other movies and forgot. And he looked at me so confused. He's like, what? Who's Marissa Tomei? And I'm like, for my cousin? Never mind. Anyway, look, is, like, is there a scene where someone is, is someone's wife, but they don't matter and no one cares about anything? I, I, you know, trying to explain it was impossible. The guy thought I was, like, losing my mind. Yeah, uh, but there then, is you know, a character with a wife. Yeah, it's, it's like, hey, whose wife is it? Is it Mark Ruffalo's wife? No, you never see Mark Ruffalo's wife in spot and Spotlight, but you see, I thought it might be Michael Keaton's wife, but Marissa Tomei plays Michael Keaton's wife in the movie The Paper, which yes. is from like 1993. Yes. So I kept getting that mixed up, and um, and I realized, you know what? I'm only getting this mixed up because that's the only kind of part there is for a lot of women in Hollywood. It's just like your ex's wife. That's it. What do you do? Nothing really. You just listen to him talk about his arc. And then when he's done, maybe put an arm around his shoulder. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, meanwhile, here's Jennifer Lawrence getting her like this is what her like fifth Oscar nomination, fourth. Yo, I think she didn't got an Oscar nomination every year since Winterbone. Yeah, yeah, because she was up for Winter's Bone, which was legit. And then she definitely got one for uh, every David O. Russell movie she's been in. Silver Linings. Silver Linings. Uh, American, American Hustle. Hustle this. She's this. And there was something. She was something else. I think she got she got an Oscar nom man. She get him. Like I'm not even saying she ain't talented. She kills it. It's just that like yo, you Katniss, I fucks with you. I believe it. You Katniss, when you're Mystique, I fucks with you. You Mystique, when you playing the chick who made the magic mop, <laughs> I don't believe that you've been divorced, taking care of your mama, got two kids, 
Especially because every dad. other performer around her in that movie is age appropriate but her. Every every David O. Russell movie she's been in, every character is age appropriate but her. But like 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 yo, real talk. Amy Adams still look banging. How the fuck ain't she joy? Yeah, that's true. I mean Amy Adams could have definitely done that role. I don't know that she would have been right for Joy specifically, but like there's definitely like Scarlett Johansson I would think is more right for that role. I would have bought that more too, honestly. Yeah. Um I, Something about I think that Jennifer Lawrence works really well in the moments of triumph in the movie, like the moments where like Joy finally gets hers. I think Jennifer Lawrence is really good at selling that sort of like uh, victory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we watch her win every day in in, in the world. Um, but the moments like the first half of the movie where you're just like it creates this repetitive, painful experience of what her life is like. Like this, she's just trapped and she's. It's such a, I think it's a really interesting character portrait, personally. I thought it was really powerful. Like, I've known women like that, you know, like, yeah. I'm related to a lot of them, you know, where, like, you, you know, they struggle. And, like, that – and I thought O. Russell did a really good job of making that struggle seem real and not – because it's really easy in a movie to, like, make fake sad stuff, you know, where it's just like, oh, look at this woman. Things are tougher because she's got kids, and this feels really yeah. fake and pat and weird. Yeah. But I thought this movie really – like, the, her, her dysfunctional parents. Oh, the, oh, Bobby De Niro killed it as the as – the, yeah, it's a kind of shitty, I don't really believe in my daughter dad. Yeah, there were parts, I knew the movie was working, because I thought I was going to like it. I knew it was working when, like, there were parts near the end when he was saying stuff to her, like, I, I should have never given you reason to think you're anything more than a housewife, where I was like, I want to yeah. punch this man in the face. Like, I know, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what kind of terrible father you is? Like, yeah, I was like, okay, they had me. I was yeah. like, okay, all right, good, this is this is good. But it was just some of the moments where it was just her and she had to shoulder all that character. I just didn't buy it. I was just like, I don't know. Yeah, um, like when she's talking, to, when she talks to the Bradley Cooper character, when it's like her and him, and mm-hmm. this is this dude that's like, yo, I've been beasting this for like forever. And there's this moment, it's like, okay, the character is a grown woman. She didn't make an adventure since she was a kid. Her grandmother gave her the dope, the glow up, you know what I'm saying? But I, what I'm seeing is. And this is fucked up. This is like when I'm talking to a 22-year-old person, there's a certain, there's a distance. It's like, like, I done already failed at 22 a couple times. Like, there's like, like, I don't believe that you're this 35, 40-year-old woman really putting it down like. Well, yeah, because, I mean, some of the chemistry they have in those scenes, what it's supposed to play as is. They're not taking her seriously because people don't take housewives seriously, right? Yeah. They don't think that raising a family and maintaining a home and working and doing all those things matters. That's, I think, what the movie is trying to say is that we we don't take housewives seriously. We don't think it's a real job. We don't think it's a real uh, – we don't think it's an important part, a cornerstone of society, right? It's bullshit, but that's how people think. Um, so in those scenes, it's supposed to be these people won't take her seriously because she's just a housewife who made a way – mop and no one cares right but because it's jennifer lawrence in those scenes it seems like bradley cooper isn't taking her seriously because she's so young yes and she seems so naive yeah and i don't think that's what the character was and i think that hinders it whereas if they had gotten someone who could like really express that like strife you know what i mean that like struggle those scenes would have been so much more powerful instead because jennifer lawrence you're just kind of like waiting for her to win you know, mm-hmm. like you're just you know she's gonna win. You know she's gonna come. And you out know on top. she's gonna win big. It's gonna be like a big brassy song's probably gonna play or something. And it's gonna feel like a you know like a fucking music video. Um, and I think it, I think it hurts the film. I thought Bradley Cooper steals that whole movie away though. Like, 
I, I've said to everybody I know, if they made a whole movie about Bradley Cooper running QVC, I watched that movie. I'm not gonna lie, because I was like, you know that you know how they sell the movie. I'm like, I thought he was in it a lot longer, but I was like, but hold up, who's this dude? Yeah, I'm like, who's this dude that runs QVC though? Like, look at the hands, just look at look at the hands. And then um and um Melissa Rivers playing her mother. I was like, yo, where's where's this uh? Joan Rivers will be played by her daughter. Let's go. Like, yeah, I have right, to watch this. Right now. Like, <laughs> I, but, but one of my fantasies is to have a movie that's like a choose-your-adventure where you can just eject from the movie you don't like. Hey, you know? Like, if there's a side character that's really cool, like, we're just going to follow this. If you don't give a fuck what happens to the mop lady, let's see what Bradley Cooper's doing, you know? <laughs> or, like, the ex-husband who was, like, wild supportive. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I thought that, like, every I thought that everyone in her life in that movie was so, like almost unrealistically toxic and bad. But then I thought her relationship with Edgar Ramirez was really cool. And I, I, I liked, I, I thought he showed a whole other side to his already, you know, very talented, you know, uh, he's a very, like, you know, multifaceted uh, performer, I think. And then Dasha Polenko uh, from Origins of the New Black as her best friend was killing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so grateful. I'm like, oh, so there's some brown people in this movie. Brown there. people holding Thank down. Thank God. Making everybody else Hold it down. Making it work, you know? <laughs> Like, I can't, there's just some movies, you know, I know that, you know, most of Hollywood's, like, white or whatever, and it's a, you know, I get the status quo, but, like, sometimes you're watching a movie, and there's just so many white people, that the minute you see a brown person, you're just so grateful for, like, some, some semblance of reality, you know? That's, that's when I, like, like, I, like, I need to go find me a Pedro Almodovar movie, like, stat. Stat, oh my god. I need to go watch some, like, what's... I need to find me a, a, a Hong Kong movie. Like, where's like I need? Some, where's the Bollywood at? Like, I need some. just something, you know. And I mean, this year, I, I mean, uh, of course, it's a small, incremental changes. But you know, I I remember spending like a good three months of this year. All right, from when I saw that Star Wars trailer for the first time, like, there's a brother in Star Wars, like, and he's like the he's like the main dude, like. <laughs> Like, just, like, I, I would keep saying it to people because I want to confirm it, you know? I want to make sure I, I didn't have some rare degenerative mental disease where I was just seeing black men in sci-fi films that weren't really there, you know? Um, <laughs> it just killed me. I'm like, that's the dude from Attack the Block. And he's a stormtrooper. And he's the main character. This is really happening, you know? And uh, a lot of really, you know, terrible things happen to, to brown people in the world in 2015, like, constantly on a constant basis and you know representation matters and getting to see us on the big screen in these really powerful roles is like it's powerful man between you know between black avengers 3 and you know i mean when i saw creed like i could not get over like this is like an actual rocky movie that doesn't suck and it's black as hell it's a black film and i don't mean that in the sense you know this sort of uh, uh, pejorative sense that some people when they talk about black film they talk about Tyler Perry and the negative or whatever I don't, I don't mean like that I mean like yeah. you know yeah. it's black it's a black it's, it's black. us it, to me it was the best black film of 2015 because when I when I said I was like I saw it all and I was like because it wasn't it was like it's everything it's really you're right it's everything you like about the first Rocky but it's from the complete black Philadelphian experience yeah it's so personal, and it's so uh, – it's specific in a way that's really um, comforting, but it's not alienating. Like, if you're not black and you don't live in Philly, it's not going to, like, ruin it for you. You know yeah. what I mean? You're not going to be, like – it's not impenetrable. It makes you feel 
like I can't I, I can't stop thinking about the fact that Ryan Coogler is like literally my age and made a fucking Rocky movie and now he's about to make a fucking Black Panther movie and he's just getting started. You know what I, I mean? No, like, bro, it makes me feel I'm kind so of inaccurate he's get a bit. Hit by a bus or something. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm so afraid that he's going to be like a fucking Jeopardy question in a couple of years. Nah. Like, oh yeah, Ryan Coogler made a Rocky movie and then Black Panther. And he made a Black Star Wars movie and then he died. You know, like that's like I'm so terrified because like this doesn't happen for us. Um, oh, but he's so talented, and the movie's so fucking good. And like, I think it's fucked up that Sylvester Stallone, the only person who got an Oscar nomination for it, because I mean he's like crazy good in the movie, and I hope he wins. I think he was phenomenal. I think he's going to win because... He's fucking better. I mean, shit. Someone, something needs to, you know, get something for this movie. Because but he it, hasn't gotten an Oscar since Rocky. Yeah, and he's like, it's it's an amazing performance. It's like stupid good. And people love Rocky. Like, yeah. Like, that's like that's a, that's one of those things when like people go back about like, oh, Oscars, it was that year where I think it was like Rocky versus The Godfather. If you really think about it, it's like... Like, I don't even know if they really made the bad decision because, like, yo, you put them all back-to-back, it's just like... Yeah, no, Rocky is, like, it's it's a, it's, <laughs> it's like, the you know, it's it's America. Yeah, <laughs> like... You know what I mean? And what I thought was so cool about Creed was, like, it, it felt just as America. It was just our America now, you know? Like, uh, everything about that movie is, like... I mean, you know what I, mean, you know what I love, too, is, like, how, how unique uh, his, arc, his arc was because it wasn't just... I sort of figured, okay, he's gonna play Creed's son, you know, whatever. And like his journey was so interesting. The idea that he's like Creed's illegitimate son. Oh who, yeah, I didn't expect any of that. Who starts off like kind of scrapping for his life, but then actually ends up living, you know, like lavishly, and then rejecting it because he has this thing inside of him. I was like, this is like really cool. Like that's not normal. You know what I mean? It's not like a typical. Uh, you know, uh, rags to riches or wrong side of the tracks type thing. It was it had nuance to it, and there was uh, there was so many layers to the conflict, like his internal conflict, him him not wanting to feel like he's a mistake, all these different things. Yeah, and it was a lot. You see was, that in, in movies for us, you know? Um, yeah, you don't, you don't. I mean, because I mean, even the you know, uh, 2014 had a lot of cool, you know, cool diversity moments. You had dear white people and stuff like that, but. You know, even then, you know, when we get movies, we get movies that are principally about just being black. You know, it's like, you're not allowed to think about anything else in this world. You can't have the same normal uh, preoccupations creatively or artistically that other people have. Like, if you're white, you can ponder the stars or or history or or philosophy or any of these things. If you're black, you just kind of got to write about being black, man. You just got to talk about uh, being discriminated against and getting shot and, like, you know, dabbing. And, like, that's just all you get. Yeah, Creed wasn't really any of that. It was more or less, like, it was black subtly. Like, the the things you brought up, the fact that he wanted to make sure, like, he didn't know his father. So he didn't want to make sure he was a mistake or, like, like, to me, one of my standout scenes is when he he goes to go see um, his girl's performance. And then it's the rapper. Yeah. And the rapper keep calling him baby. Like, he call him, like, was it Baby Apollo? Baby Creed. Baby yeah, Creed. And he's like, yo, don't call me that. And it's just that, that weird that weird thing that sometimes when you're in places and, and like, things go left for the wrong. Like, it's like, yo, he, may, like, he doesn't mean nothing by it, but he does mean something by it. And the fact you tell him to stop. And it is like it just go it just gets 
it gets violent and it shouldn't got like it doesn't get violent but the nature of the like how the world works and where they live exactly it's it becomes, violent it's it's um it's it's layered drama you know what i mean like the conflict feels natural and it's not artificial like they didn't have to add a fake thing where that guy's like a gang member and then someone's had to kill him or something it wasn't it didn't have to be that like overt it was just um, showing like the different intersections of like you know, the different walks of life and stuff, and it was it was powerful, man. Like I, I'm telling you, man. Like that scene when he finally says, you know, like why he has to fight in that final oh, fight, yeah, I was bawling like like I, like like an, like an actual child. Like it's it, it's crazy, you know. And to think that a movie was that good and made money, okay, and was a success with critics and all these things, and the Oscars come around and it's like. Nah, remember that movie where Matt Damon was on Mars by himself? Let's give that awards. Yo, that was, I think, and I think this is a lot of th- a lot of the problem. And I'm not even saying it's a problem. Mm. When the hashtag like Oscar so white pop up, I'm like, that's not going to change anything. With change, no. the, the only thing we saw change anything with modern Oscar voting was the fact that the Dark Knight came out. Heath Ledger died. Everybody said that was the hottest movie out. It didn't get nominated, and they instantly changed the rules. They was like, yeah. we got to push this to 10 because this should never happen again. They need to change it so they're like, the nominations is more than five. I think it should be at least seven. Because if it's seven, it could go to the point where it's just like, all right, we're going to give all these movies that came out between like Thanksgiving and Christmas all the noms like we usually do. But for some of us, there's a couple movies that came out a little bit before that we can bless with a nomination. Yeah, and I mean, because it's the fact that every studio has to release the movies all at the same time, specifically because these movies are Oscar-type movies, just proves that it's bullshit. Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of, here's the thing, a lot of very good-ass movies come out at the end of the year. I mean, that's true. That's just, you know, big-budget, you know, expensive alien shit comes out in the summer, you know, prestige serious dramas come out in the winter, and in between you get you get movies with like Dane Cook and stuff. That's just that's that's Hollywood, right? But you know, to to deny movies that come out earlier or that happen to be really good at random parts of the year, it's like what's crazy to me is there's so many things that happen at the Oscars that don't make any fucking sense. And it's like when like Steve Carell got a nomination for like Foxcatcher last year, right, for like Best Actor. And all he does in that movie is, like, wear a fake nose. It's not a very interesting performance. It doesn't do any, any particularly, you know, uh, impressive things. The only thing that Steve Carell did differently in that performance was be a serious actor. And the yeah. Academy likes to think that if you're a comedian, whenever you decide to do serious roles, that that's more challenging than being a comedian. It's yeah. fucking bullshit. It's BS. It's, it's because, funny. like, being a comedian... You have to have a believable, interesting performance, and you're also responsible for being funny. Like, being stone-faced and looking sad in a movie isn't, like, that's not the end-all, be-all of good acting. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It, it's a, uh, it's a you can't tell thing. me that Steve Carell is more deserving of an Oscar for Foxcatcher than he was for, like, the 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Was... The 40-Year-Old Virgin is a fucking killer movie. He's amazing in it. It's well-written. It's well-performed, it's well-executed, but it's a comedy, and no one takes that seriously. But then, like, Adam McKay literally made Anchorman, perfect, flawless movie. Talladega Nights, pretty dope movie, yeah, all right? All day, uh, Ricky Bobby, all day. Step Brothers, like, legitimately crazy, ridiculous comedy. 
the other guys. Like, all these, you know, these movies are, like, killer, you know? He makes one, you know, pretty interesting drama about financial crisis, and he gets a fucking Best Director nomination for, like, this is, like, a TV movie level quality. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's essentially, and I don't even mean this, it's, it's an HBO movie. It's an HBO but movie. It's exactly an HBO movie. It explains, HBO go. Yeah, it explains everything perfectly enough. Because I, I, like, when I watched it, I tweeted out, I think every adult American should watch it because it explains enough about what happens in a way that, like, it's like... It's like when you read the manga about how Japan got 7-Eleven. Like, oh, like you could read like a big like dissertation about like how they did of it. But, or you could read this manga about, oh, this is the guy who first brought 7-Eleven in Japan. This is how they made the double-sided refrigerator. And this is <laughs> the third. But it's a cool-ass story. So, mm-hmm. hey, that's what I got when I was watching like, oh, it's explaining to me some of these crazy concepts. And, oh, this is like, oh, okay, good, good, okay, good job, Big Short. You, what you did, they made an American of Masters movie on PBS. Like that time with Frederick Douglass and they had a bunch of dope-ass actors or, yes. or the joint about the dudes who, the Manhattan Project, and they had real actors in it. And it showed me the history, acted well. That's what the Big Short is. But they it gave is it a, cool. It's fun. It is informative, which is important. People need to be educated it, about this stuff. They gave it mad Oscar nominations. It's like I like it. I think it's dope, but it's just like they gave it mad out. They gave it a lot of Oscar nominations. I'm like, oh like, this wow, is weird. Like, but again, it's like I think I think uh, I think you're, I agree with you that like you know just merely complaining on Twitter and stuff is not going to like change diversity in Hollywood, whatever. But like I think the one thing that the Oscar so white campaign, whatever you want to call it, meme, you know, really kind of gets across is that like. When you're white and you make films, okay, uh, you start off from a base where achievements are, are I don't want to say easy, but they're easy. They're easier. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, the dude that made Anchorman made a pretty interesting, pretty solid movie at the financial crisis, and people are just, like, jizzing their shorts, like, I can't believe this movie, right? Um... Ryan Cougar makes Creed. This is really powerful, really well directed, really well written, everything, really well conceived movie. And it's like, eh, you know. And it's like, but what? Like, I, I like, I don't, I don't, I know it's, it's not, it's not quite right to just say that it's all racism or homophobia in the case of Todd Haynes being kind of let out and stuff. But to, to like, you cannot fucking look me in the eye and tell me that if Creed had had a white dude director, but was as good as it was. Did that white dude would have think it's because I've been writing reviews for so long and up to the point was like okay there is a race there's a diversity problem but if 
the bulk of your freaking academy is old white dudes. Mm-hmm. A, they're going to be biased. Because that's the same reason why I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is getting a goddamn Oscar is because them old white dudes don't fuck with him. That's a whole separate story. But, mm-hmm. all right, you have, a, you have a bunch of, you put out all these movies and they come out late. But for the critics, they got to see all that shit by like December 1st, right? And mm-hmm. then they put out all those screeners. So all them people ain't watching all their movies because they don't have time because they got to go to parties. They got families. They yeah, got cool. Christmas. They got, they got, yo, they doing, they, they live in life and they got money. So, but like the Critic Choice Awards happen, right? The Critics Awards from all the little places happen and they pick all the same movies. So they get to a certain point where it's like, well, shit, I didn't see all these movies. But, yo, the New York Critics List picked this movie and mm-hmm. the Chicago Critics List picked this movie and the LA Times picked this. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to fill up half my ballot with the same movies that all them critics be picking mad white movies. It's true. It, it, it becomes like a um, like a, a thinning the herd from like whatever the first, you know, uh, warning signal awards are. From there, it just gets pared down. And like, it's interesting, too, because you do see some of the Critics' Choice Awards and, and stuff are very interesting and actually pretty, uh, you know, kind of iconoclast. And then like you watch the the more weird things just sort of slightly just slowly drift off where like there'll be a movie that people start to have think think has Oscar buzz and then it gets to the Academy voters and like I'm not gonna watch that shit you know and like I guess that's cool but you know what if that's your fucking opinion about a bunch of movies you shouldn't get to fucking vote like you know like it's I mean I know it's not gonna change you know the Academy is what it is but like it's uh it's fucked up you know what I mean and and it's it's interesting to see that like the reason the Oscars matter so much to people is that in Hollywood, it's like there's always been the movies that make a lot of money. It's like if you for a movie to be successful, it either has to make a lot of money or to be critically acclaimed. You know, everyone wants both, right? You want to be uh, you want to make a shit ton of money and be beloved by people with uh, taste or whatever. But it's usually either or. Either you're Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, or <laughs> you're The Danish Girl, right? Like you're one or the other, you know. And I think what fucking sucks for these Oscar movies is there's a couple of things that got completely, you know, uh, shafted that are both like something like Creed did make a lot of money. It was very popular and it was very well received critically. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's impressive. If you manage to get audiences to, to, to like you with money and then critics to like you, you know, with their, you know, wanky words and stuff like that's a huge fucking accomplishment. So for like, you know, some of the other movies to get in and they all like, have you noticed that ever since we've gotten the, you know, you mentioned the uh, the, the ten nomination thing, the whole Dark Knight uh, paradigm shift, and I feel like ever since that happened, the opposite happened, is that we have never gotten another Dark Knight esque movie into the the best like the, the big eight or ten, but like the fucking Blind Side got a best picture nomination at one point. You know what I mean? Like these very very mediocre, you know, very white movies get a pass and they, they get sort of like exalted as being more than they really are and uh it happens every fucking year or how about that, year. that and like, author literally all his books that turns into movies gets an oscar nomination wait who are we talking about the dude who did the blind side did the big short and he also did another movie that was oscar nominated wait this is, those are the same dudes this from the same authors they adapt oh, shit, his work and it becomes it, like really this is like his third joint that been like a big t- and um shit it was I'm about to look that shit up right yeah. now because I got the internet. Like, it's the same dude. Like, 
And it's nothing against him, but it's like, yo, like you guys are Michael Lewis. So Michael Lewis, his shit's becoming freaking movies, and they straight and um Moneyball, Moneyball, right. Big Money Short, Ball. and The Blind Side. I know Moneyball oh, is cool. Oh, I, I enjoy Moneyball because it basically lets you understand the way sports is going, especially like well, they showed you baseball, but basketball essentially follow in all that footsteps of just going with freaking analytics to pick mm-hmm. to make teams. But yeah, like I, I that's a trend. It's like, yo, yo, are Michael Lewis joint getting made as a film? Like, are are they even picking are they even picking based off scene? Because I don't I'm I'm straight up like like all my critics fans, they on the list, they've been doing it longer or or they got the list so they get the they get the screeners. Mm-hmm. They can't finish watching all the movies. So if you can't finish watching their movies and the only thing you really are doing is watching movies, what are you going to do if you're an actor and you got to do your voting and you actually got to do things like, I don't know, be awesome, <laughs> ride on boats and like <laughs> go to dope ass parties and get like, and go to fashion week and, and like, I don't know, like hang with Rihanna or some shit. You ain't watching movies. It's true. I mean, you got to vote though. <laughs> and, and what's crazy about it is too, is like, you know, I always think that, like, uh, okay, like, for instance, last year I made a, a, point of, a point for me to actually watch all ten or whatever the fuck it was of the Best Picture nominees, right? And what happened was I realized that I'd already seen five of them without trying to, so I was like, I guess I'll just, you know, see the other five, whatever, fuck it. And uh, I did that, and I didn't like, you know, half of them at all. Um, but, you know, I did it. And uh, this year there's eight nominees. I've already seen six of them. I've seen everyone except Room and uh, Brooklyn, and I guess I'll watch the two of those. You know, Brooklyn looks you – no, know, Brooklyn, I couldn't – I started it. It's so boring, bro. It's so but boring. that's what I mean is that, like, if I have a bunch of movies I have to watch or I'm, I feel uh, that I'm expected to watch as a person who cares about movies, you know, there's going to be things I don't get to. But the things I don't get to are always movies that I think look fucking obvious and, like, blatantly boring. And those are always the movies that end up getting, like, all these plaudits. And, like, I'm just always baffled. Like, I remember last year with, like, the fucking imitation game and stuff like that. And I was like, how did you all watch this and think that we all needed to watch this? Like, who started this train that we should all watch this movie with this dude who looks like a burnt, melted candle all right, like uh, I don't understand, and uh, yo, that's that's been a, that's the Cumberbatch movie, right? That's, yeah, you're more Cumberbund. Dude, and, um, I think know. that's just because like people people dick Rod Sherlock so much. <laughs> it's like yo, real talk. Like when 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 Trumbo when Brian Cranston was announced as the best actor nominee this year for Trumbo, I'm like, hey, it's a movie about Hollywood. Mm. Easy shoe in. Easy shoe. You know how many people love fucking Walter White? Of course he's going to get nominated. Because that he's movie is riding. not particularly good, but Brian Cranston is very good in it. He's, he's a very good actor. Him and John Goodman is the only reason really sit through that movie. And Louis C.K. for the little bit he's in it. Yeah, yeah. Louis C.K. is good. And John Goodman is always good, yeah. Yeah, it's John Goodman. Like, he's, he's he just kills it. For life. Just, <laughs> like, he's you know, one of the greatest of all time. But it's just like, I watched it. I'm like, yo, if it wasn't Brian Cranston in this, I would watch this garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Cranston is kind of interesting because now that he's got the crazy cred from uh, Breaking Bad, he, you know, richly deserves, very talented actor, he's going to be in another few movies that are like that, where the movie is garbage, but he's so good that he'll keep getting awards. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is cool. I think if you're an actor, you want that. You want to be able to be so Teflon that you can pick shitty projects and still shine in them. Um, 
But John Ham can't do that though because he's too handsome. Yeah, John Ham. I mean, he's not, he's not gonna. I don't know if John Ham's ever gonna win like an Oscar. You know what I mean? Like, Mad Men was is a really powerful show, and he I think you know is great in it. But I think that I think that John Ham lucked up, and that's like Don Draper's like the one role for him, right? I think that Brian Cranston, Walter White's the one role for him, but he's good enough to do a bunch of other roles. Yeah, because he was already like. Until that, you still did the, the hilarious dad, Malcolm in the Middle. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, right, like, yo. Like, he's he needed a Walter White to break him out of that out of that shell. Yeah, that that comedy thing. Like, oh, he plays comedy great. But, yeah, you see Walter White, he's like, bro. I'll watch this man do anything now. And that's what I think when Batman and that Cumberbatch, just a bunch of, whatever. Like, yes. maybe dick riding him. And I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I've been seeing him as BBC shit. I know him. He be doing good work. He can act. Ain't the problem, but motherfuckers be dick riding his movies off the strength well, of Sherlock. The first it, it season boils, of Sherlock. It boils down to that uh, someone like Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't have to work very hard to, for their work to be considered exceptional. Like, I don't think his performance in The Imitation Game is particularly better or more interesting or more illuminating than anything else he's done, but he doesn't have to clear a very high bar, Right. The number one thing I've seen from the discourse around diversity in the Oscars today is that if you bring up any other performance from a brown person that you thought was overlooked, some rando will pop up in your mentions to talk about how that wasn't an Oscar-caliber performance, but they don't have anything to explain why the things that were nominated are. There's not like a... Obviously, it's all subjective. You know what I mean? Whatever movies you liked, whatever performances you liked, those are the best performances for you. You don't need a body of people to all like the same thing. It doesn't matter in that sense. But in the sense that, you know, we publicly exalt certain bodies of work, if we're always exalting white bodies of work, you know, over time we're saying as a as a culture that the other parts of the equation don't matter, you know? And if you look at Ben Cumberbatch sort of showing up to work, and really a lot of the modern British actors, like, that's what they're doing, okay? Like, half of the work is done because of how they sound and how they present themselves, and they do very workmanlike, you know, uh, acting. You put that up against, say, Michael B. Jordan in Creed. Say, you know, I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, uh, but the, the the young dude that plays Easy e in Australia. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Those. That was a really powerful performance for a guy I've never seen in a fucking movie before. You know, is it exactly method? Is it, you know, traditional, you know, Shakespearean style, whatever? No, but it was a very, it was very engrossing. He was yeah. captivating. He, he had a lot of, a, a lot of charisma and a lot of uh, nuance for a, a part that was not written particularly nuanced. You know, that, that's good acting. Yeah, he, um, he humanized a person that a lot of people, including probably a lot of people who grew up listening to that work, didn't mm-hmm. think about. Like, exactly. That 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 takes that's that's a it's not easy, you know, that that something like that. But people look at that and go, Yeah, it was cool, but I don't know if it's Oscar caliber. And really what Oscar caliber just means is like stuffy white acting. You know? or, yeah, or even British white acting, because it's like see, I'm already beyond I've been beyond the point about subjectivity, like bullshit. It's like, hey, you gotta know what the fuck you're talking about. If you can come at me with subjectivity, if you, <laughs> if you ain't seen at least fifty movies a year, if you ain't in them seats, then you ain't talking to me about movies, bro. It's just like I don't care who you is. So like, if they come with a, that's not Oscar caliber. What is Oscar caliber to you? How many movies you seen? If you seen four and three of them bitches is Marvel movies, then get the fuck out of my face, get out my mentions, <laughs> because you ain't about this life and you ain't studying. Like I'm like Ghostface, you ain't studying your arts. 
and get your thick ass tossed up. Like, I don't know bless with me. Like, I'm like, I get mad. I get, dude, I get so mad at that. I'm like, like, yo, like, you ain't even seen none of the movies that came out. Like, every time we get to a war season, people start spouting off. Like, last year when, like, Kanye walked up and then walked back down and then, like, went ham on E about mm-hmm. the Beck shit. I'm like, we was like, Kanye's ass. So I was like, why? Did you listen to all the albums that was off the album of the year? They're like, no, I did. He's right. <laughs> I was just mad. I just get it's mad. True. It's true. I remember specifically when all that shit happened with Kanye, you know, not to get off the movie thing too much, but when it shit happened with Kanye and people were like, well, yeah, Beck's a great musician. I love Beck. And I was like, did you fucking listen to this Beck album? Not a single person who came at me talking about Beck had even known he put out an album that year, all right? I didn't fucking know, and I like Beck. <laughs> right? No one out. fucking knew. And that's what Kanye was getting at, was there were a lot of crazy good albums out, and Beck's was not motherfucking one of them, all right? Like, um, and I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to award shows, both the Oscars and even the Grammys and things like that, is, like, this sense that, like, the people are not being heard. You know, uh, the average moviegoer person who goes to the movies most of the time of the year, they haven't seen half these damn movies. Know. You know, these people may have seen Spotlight, probably. You know, I imagine they saw The Martian. I mean, I mean, like the really, I guess if you ask the average American, off of, you know, out of these eight movies, what do you think is the best movie of the year? They'll probably say The Martian because that was a very popular movie. Everyone saw it. It's uplifting. Uh, it's another movie where Matt Damon gets saved from something, uh, <laughs> and, and it works. You know, it's it, it's a it's a strong movie. I think I think it was very good. I think the movie itself is pretty diverse outside of Matt Damon being all all in the front of the camera like Diddy the whole time talking about making potatoes on Mars and shit. You know, um, it's cool. But people don't care about half of these other movies. You know, they just don't give a shit. And I can't say I blame them, you know? Um, I imagine if Star Wars got nominated, a lot of people would be really mad, but, like, I would have got it, you know? It's a big-ass movie. It affects people, you know? That has merit. Um, I don't know if people get mad because it's just like, oh, if we would have got the nice spot, like, because for some reason they haven't gone to, like, ten movies in, like, Three or four years. So, why? Yeah, you what is that? I'm like, if you're gonna do this, just do it. Like, just say ten movies. Always. Yeah. Just like, go ahead and g- give the one the, the usual. They used to have just a, like, oh, the ninth movie is a Pixar movie, even though it's gonna win best animated feature. Animated anyway. feature. Yeah, it was like so, sort of like, a, hey, good job, guys. Yeah, like, hey, we're gonna put this shoe in here because you know, post Dark Knight, gotta do something. And like, I, you know what? I'm I'm not the biggest like rah rah thing about. The Force Awakens. No, I mean, but you got ten spots. It it it, it made one point seven billion dollars. Go ahead, put that up there. Like you ain't gonna put Jurassic World up there. Just go ahead, yeah. put the Force Awakens up there. People, all, I mean, or if you really want to do it for the people and for the culture, you know, respect Paul Walker's legacy. Oh, good lord, sorry. Black Avengers three got up. I, dude, I would have, uh, I would have busted Abba Sarat and be like, yo, major key alert. Major. To me, here's the thing. <laughs> if you guys are gonna put The Martian up for Best Picture, all right, like, what does The Martian do cinematographically that Furious Seven doesn't do? All right, like, there's, it just you can't tell me that like, because to me it's like usually the big, uh, big budget blockbuster movies get shut out because of the fact that it's like, well, no, we're supporting serious art films. It's like, okay, but you got the fucking Martian on here. It's like a fucking. Dude. Dude, no, like if if we're gonna accept this, and it's a good it's a good movie, it's fun. I, I liked it. If we're gonna if we're gonna go there, then you gotta put Fury Seven on. You gotta talk about Magic Mike. You gotta talk about some of these movies. I mean, glad Fury Road got in. That's really cool. It ain't gonna win shit, but that's really cool that it happened. Oh, you know what? I'm surprised it got like a bazillion nominations. 
You know it's done for acting, because apparently if you act in an action movie, you're not really acting. True. But there's something about Fury Road and the fact that George Miller's 75 years old that I still think it has a shot. Because to me, I still think Spotlight going to win best film on some fuck to go to globe shit. That's very possible. That's very possible. I actually like Spotlight a lot. I thought that was a really good Oh, oh, no. Nah, that's like my top three of the year. Because yeah, this one, I mean, if Spotlight won, I would have zero qualms. I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was really powerful. I liked it. I liked it was really subdued and and really restrained. I thought it was really cool about it. But, like, yo, I mean, if we're, we're giving awards away to, like, I, I really want to talk very briefly about another movie that is nominated for Best Picture that has a strong chance of winning uh, a movie called The Revenant that I do not fuck with at all. <laughs> and every day since the day I saw it, I've hated this movie more and more. As more people ask me my opinion about it, I find more things to hate about it. And if Leonardo DiCaprio wins an Oscar for this movie, I hope Kanye interrupts him. Uh, and just and maybe we all just take a minute to talk about Catch Me If You Can uh, or uh, The Departed or just any other movie he's been in where he was good. Aviator, he put out this, bangers. Because this movie is just garbage. This is like, I, it's it's this would be like if somehow Kanye won a Grammy for like Cruel Summer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's some cool moments, but why are we exalting this? This is not necessary. I, I like, I haven't watched it yet because I heard that bear scene. I ain't really in the right frame of mind to watch it yet. But I'm like, if people say, "Yo, this is this is Leo G," I'm like. This was Leo's year, Wolf of Wall Street. This was Leo's year when he put out when he put out um, my joint, The Great Gatsby, and he came out with another joint in the same year. Like he didn't had he didn't had years the last twelve years. This is, I mean, yeah, he's probably gonna get an Oscar this year, but it's not gonna be. It's gonna be the "We're Sorry We Were Wrong" twelve fucking times award. You know what I mean? I don't think he's old enough to get that award yet. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I think he's gonna dick him over again. I'm telling you, like I don't care. I'm really here's what fish I'm, and everything. Like, here's what we should be talking about, okay? If that is what happens, if Leonardo DiCaprio does not win for the movie where he was out in the cold for eight months, getting fucked by a bear or whatever, what is he gonna do next to top this? He's gonna fucking kill someone. His next movie, he's playing a serial killer. He will actually murder someone on screen for Martin Scorsese. Like, I'm really concerned about his his well-being at this point. Like, if he doesn't get it for this shitty movie, who knows what weird method actor depths he's going to plumb to do what he thinks he needs to do to find respect. Like... thing we don't talk about when it comes to the Oscars is it's like, you know, the real reason you know, people talk about Kanye West, it's kind of hard to talk about award shows and not talk about Kanye West and I think that Kanye illuminated for me anyway why award shows are so strange and it's Kanye talked about how in music and in art and film, there's no championships, right? Like, 
art is subjective, so there's no, there's never going to be sort of an objective, you beat this person on this day, you're the better man, right? So for them, award shows, that's the closest thing they have to, like, the history books. You know, it's like, if you win the award that year, then you're the person, you're the man, you got it, you were the one with the best thing that year. And I feel like, you know, it's got to be maddening if you make films, especially if you make art films that don't make a lot of money, the only validation you can really find is either if, uh, if an overwhelming amount of critics like your work or if they give you the fucking gold statue. It's a really simple form of yeah. validation. So, you know, people do some weird shit. <laughs> they make some weird movies and they make some very strange creative decisions because they feel like they need to fit into that conversation. And it's so sad. You know, like... It, it is. It's depressing. And you I think you're right with the whole what will Leo do next because it's like... Alright, out Brian Cranston is a shot at it. The Eddie Ray man, he got it last year. But my thing is it's like people's like, Yo, Leo got it and I'm looking at this joint more heavy right now. I'm like, yo, Matt Damon's on the screen a lot. He's in space and shit. He's just talking to the camera. It's like a long ass Snapchat and shit. And it really is like a long fucking like the most expensive Snapchat ever. And then like, yo, Michael Fass has been the right. There's been a couple of joints where he should have got it. And he didn't get it. And people love Steve Jobs. I'm saying, like, yo, people love Steve. They love Steve Jobs more now dead than they ever did when he was alive. And they might see this as an honor of Steve Jobs for all the stuff he, do, he did for them making all these devices. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm so suspect with the Academy and Leonardo DiCaprio because if, if Leo's great. There's been too many times he could have got it over some people who didn't deserve it to me. And I still think he fucked somebody's daughter, and they just holding that shit against him. Like straight up, <laughs> like this is the man who go to our base and walk in the club, take all the chicks, and just go. Like, like he's a known playboy. Like, I, something. It's like that joint when you like Spider Man. You got the spider senses. That's what they yeah. with this and, and Leo DiCaprio. Right like, I'm like, yo, my shit going crazy. Leo ain't gonna get this. And if you get this, it's like, yo, what happened? Like. Like, yo, he made a deal or something. He gonna be... Part of me almost, maybe if he gets it, maybe his next few movies he won't be trying so hard and I can enjoy his work again. He gonna be the Silver Surfer or some shit. Like, I don't know. Like, he gonna, like, he gonna make a deal. Like, yo, all right, I'll do a superhero movie. Yo, can you imagine if Leo wins his Oscar and then gets to coast for a couple of years and shows up as Darkseid in uh, a... <laughs> He just decides to be like, well, fuck it. I finally got what I needed. Now I can uh, now I can fuck around with you guys, you know? I can have fun like Toby did back to Yeah, back. right? <laughs> I right. Yo, it's something about this. Like, and then the the actress, the actress one was just weird. I was just kind of bored. Like, it's, it's what? It's, it's J-Law. It's um, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Sassery Ronan for that born-ass Brooklyn. Yeah, Brie Larson, which oh, I like Brie Larson. She been doing. Yeah, she's cool. Now. I haven't seen Room yet, but I like her. And um, Charlotte Rampley for that Forty Five Years movie that, like, yeah, I know it came out, but like, I, I ain't even, <laughs> I ain't even read no nothing about it. So I guess I will watch like, the, like real talk. The only actress I'm rooting for is Kate Winslet because I didn't like Steve Jobs, but man, did I like Kate Kill it. She killed. She it. was good. She was good. She you holds the whole movie together. I like Kate. So I like Kate Blanchett and Carol a lot. I think it's a really good performance of hers. But I also sort of felt like it, it, nothing about it to me stood out more than other performances of hers I already like. 
Do you know what I mean? It, it didn't seem that different to me. And I know a lot of people that love the movie really, really speak highly of, of her in that film. And I've read, I've read some really great criticism about the movie highlighting her work. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just wish I felt that way about it. Because I like the movie a lot. I think it's very good. It kind of grew on me. Um, but something about her nomination, it just kind of feels like, you know, Kate Blanchett, in my mind, is a little bit on that Meryl Streep level where it's like kind of whatever they do is award-worthy. Yeah. And I don't think everything they do is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's not bad. It's just it doesn't seem exceptional. It's like Kate Blanchett's in a movie. Oh, she's going to get a nomination. Yeah. And I, I kind of hate that feeling because it's like don't you want them to have to jump through the same exceptionally defined hoops to get awards? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this, like uh, Sam Jackson, all right? People, you know, Sam Jackson didn't get a nomination for Hateful Eight despite this being one of the best performances of the last 15 years for him. Dude. Dude, like killer. Marquise Warren is killer. that dude. And not a single nomination for Sam Jackson. And you know what? If I guarantee you, if I walked on Twitter right now and said, why do you guys think Sam Jackson didn't get this nomination? I imagine at least ten people would say, he always plays the same thing in every part. He's just being Sam Jackson. Well, you know what? Meryl Streep's been fucking doing that for like two decades. No one gives a shit. No one minds. Her house is built on a foundation of polished awards, okay? Um... She, but that's yeah, the difference. she gets so many joints that she'll that she'll go on stage. It's like how come Viola Davis didn't didn't get nominated? Or how come she didn't win? Like I got yeah, I no, because if Viola Davis is in a movie, she needs to she has to come super hard and be crazy good for it to matter. And Meryl Streep, like Meryl Streep's in another movie, guys, let's give her an award. Like it doesn't matter, you know. And like that's that's the thing that kills me is like there's these people at the in the awards you know circle where you get to a point where your name becomes Academy Award nominated. And whatever you do is quote-unquote Oscar caliber, even if there are years where you ain't fucking trying that hard. And it's very yeah. obvious to people you're not trying that hard. Yeah, um, it's just like they say, oh, there's five nominees. Oh, Meryl Streep's on here. Pick. I got to five, four other ones, so let me go watch the movies. Yeah, I was amazed that Meryl Streep isn't up for anything this year. Like, that's, that's like, crazy to me. She ain't really been in like, nothing. Four. Not nothing serious. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm glad... <laughs> She was, I think she was in some early party. You know how it is with war season. If it came out within the first nine months of the year, people it's don't dumb. have memory. Like, it don't Dude, that was last year, right? Yeah, like, that's the thing about Straight Outta Compton. It's like, people were really surprised. Like, it came out in August. The only time Straight it had a Compton. chance, it had to come Straight out in September. a movie that I quite enjoyed, and I liked it, but I never thought it was going to get Oscars. Like, nothing about that movie made me think that was going to happen. Dude, everybody's too heroic. That's what people don't get. Like, I like that movie a lot, but, like, Dr. Dre is an angel. Yes, yeah, Cube movie. is a superhero, and Easy e is, like, the tragic, like, character. It, even Jerry Heller is redeemed and is a redeemable person. It's a movie. strange way to make that kind of movie. Because I feel like usually when, uh, Usually when um, musical biopics get a lot of Oscar love, stuff like Walk the Line and Ray and shit like that, those movies have really healthy middle stretches that show the main character being an asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Straight Outta doesn't really have that. There's not that section of, like, here's Dr. Dre assaulting women or, you know, here's, like, you know, uh, Easy being, like, a womanizer and stuff like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, it, just, it portrays them as being, like, these, like, gods. And it's yeah. like, that's cool. I, I, you know, I mean, I get if you want to make, if that's the movie you want to make. You know, there's always the argument that, like, because, uh, you know, black voices are so underrepresented when you do make movies, you know, people are reticent to criticize these black figures because it's like, you know, 
how you know it's 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 the argument of why Denzel Washington won an Oscar for being a Training Day and not playing a hero or something, you know, and it's like, well, you know, if you're white, you don't have that problem. You know, you don't have to represent every black person on earth, you know, so you can make a movie. White actors stay winning awards for, you know, Walter White is a hideous person. He's he's a horrific, horrific protagonist. He's a bad person, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He's captivating, so it's okay. Uh, But, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, Idris Elba, you know, played a pretty – you know, terrifying person in Beasts of No Nation. You know, he's not likable in any way, shape, or form. He's kind of disgusting. Uh, oh, he's but captivating as hell. He's captivating as hell, but I don't, you know, I didn't see any fucking nominations for that, you know. Which is crazy. And I think that might be probably because it came out on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, I think probably a little bit of, outside of the diversity thing, it's definitely kind of, uh, you know, Hollywood sticking it to fucking streaming models. Yeah. Um. Uh, this is a little bit earlier. Do you see the thing uh, where some NBC executive was, you know, kind of spilling the tea on some Netflix? Oh, yeah, ratings? yeah, yeah. He was airing them out. Like, and it was, like, just, oh. it was interesting to me. Like, yeah, you know, because people just come right back to straight TV. I'm like, yeah, I mean, they come back to other TV networks, not your garbage channel. Right. You know, yeah, like, you guys haven't had a fucking hit in years. Um, you know, that's why you're. That's why you already greenlit seven seasons of the Blacklist or whatever. You know. Um. And that is something about Hollywood, too, is outside of just, you know, sort of resistance to diversity and change is, like, that traditionalism, that sense that, like, nobody wants to acknowledge that things aren't always going to be the way they currently are. You know, no one wants to acknowledge that eventually we are going to be watching a lot of movies debut on Netflix. You know, that's going to be an accepted normality. And there's nothing really wrong with that. You know I mean? I, I personally enjoy the, the big screen experience, but... You know, a lot of motherfuckers don't want to have to go outside. They don't want to go to the theater around children and people yelling and it raining. They want to just watch movies at home. Um, and that's going to happen. You know, it's, it's it's not really something we can, like, avoid. Yeah, it's because it's, it's like when I see these issues, it's like, okay, last year it was kind of, I don't know, it was I think it was a little less complex. But I think with the way that things are changing, so it's like, oh, yeah, Beast of No Nation. Like, that was a great film, to be quite honest. Um, my man who directed it, I could see him him up for the award just his use of oh, at least cinematography, and but yo the, the Hollywood industry in the theaters didn't like the fact that that movie debuted on Netflix. They ain't gonna rock with that. They don't like that. Like they mad. I'm surprised that um that movie about Nina Simone got nominated, but it's like oh it's a documentary. So sometimes they even nominate like HBO joints. Yeah, they came out in the theater for like a week and a half. Yeah, documentaries yeah. I think play by a different game. Nobody cares. No one's really like hurt by anything they do. Yeah, but so it's just like, mm, so it's it's like can't it just do deserve a, like I can see him in any of the, of the best important things because he was just that damn good. But I'm not surprised it got shut out. Yeah, I mean me neither. Nothing really surprises me. It still sucks. It sucks. Yeah, it's, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. It's just that, like I'm I'm past the point of being shocked, being right? shocked, or like want to like go hardcore on Twitter with all these things. Like, like dude, I didn't I didn't see it in, like I didn't see it enough. I met enough of these people. I didn't read too much. I didn't. Yeah. I've been hearing people like complain on the inside on podcasts the last ten years about the way things is going, the way things is changing, and the people inside is complaining. And these are usually younger people. They're not even the main voting block of the academy. Like, 
the whole, the whole thing with the whole Denzel winning for training day for being a bad guy. I'm like, the reason he won is because all his friends from his year when he got in finally became a, a, a big vote block of the academy. Mm-hmm. When Julia Roberts was like talking for him, whatever. She was like, yeah, was like essentially all the people that came out in the early 80s was in their 40s. And it was probably the major the block of the academy at that point. And it was just like, yo, we're going to give Denzel his joint. It's like high school. Like, yo, he's the most... He's the most successful. Like, well, that type of shit. I think that's definitely a big part of it. I think the other big part about Denzel winning for training day that always gets overlooked is that, like, his performance in training day is legitimately thrilling and interesting, and it's different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Denzel, otherwise in movies, for the most part, just kind of acts like Denzel, and that's okay. I mean, you were happy when Jimmy Stewart did it, I guess. But, you know, outside of Malcolm X, I don't, I've never considered any of the performances that great. You know what I mean? Him train day is like, it's like he's showing whole new muscles he never worked before. You know, it's so, it's like watching an entirely new actor at times. It's really cool. And he's really, really conscious of subverting his on-screen persona. It's so interesting. There's so much to it. Uh, and it's the best thing in that whole movie. That movie is nothing without a performance. You know, it's, it's yeah. killer. Um but I mean, you know, but people want to focus on well, he's not he's not playing a hero in it. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, you know, I do think it sucks that oftentimes we have to be represented by you know movies about slavery and things like that. You know, I don't like that the black experience has to get uh, you know narrowed down to either you know being movies about being gangsters or slaves. You know, I think we should be able to be more things in movies. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lump in. Denzel Washington is a crooked cop in that because there's also something freeing about a black performer getting to play an anti-hero or a villain or not a squeaky clean hero um, because that means they're free from having to only represent being black. You know, uh, that's a powerful thing, being able to just do what other fucking actors do. You know what I mean? If other actors decide to play fucking villains, they can. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? It's only in uh, with, you know, people of color in, in film that it's like, no, you have to do this, this, and this. And it's like... Hey, you know, sometimes someone just wants to do an interesting performance and, and explore some shit. You know, a white actor can be like, "Yeah, I want to play a pedophile." I was really fascinated by what that's like, and no one bats an eye. But you know, God forbid if Denzel Washington wanted to play a pedophile, people would be like, "See, they got Denzel an award. He had to play a pedophile to do it." You know, they don't—they don't. They yeah. don't see that. It's just a thing that actors do. They want to explore different uh, mindsets. And even sometimes it's like, I feel sometimes that the that the audience and the black audience supports the actors so much in spite of the black filmmaker and the black screenwriters. It's like, well, they might want to tell different stories and they might want to work with the black actors and they might all yeah. want to work together. So how they are they might want to do stories? stuff, you know? Yeah, and right. that's, I mean, you know, you know, I'm black and, you know, I, I'm, I do film critic stuff now, but I write as well. And, you know, I want to make films sometime in the future in my, in my life, you know, and, I don't have any fucking interest in making any of the type of stories that I always see, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that, you know, I don't think that every black movie should be either Tyler Perry or whatever Morris Chestnut was in last year, you know? I think that <laughs> I think the black experience is deeper than that, and it's more varied than that, and, and, and it, should, it should be, you know... Uh, you know, it can be anything because that's what life is like. And there are certain very specific things that definitely are part of uh, the black American experience that I think are always going to be inherent in your work, even if they're not specifically addressed. You know, um, that's what I loved about Creed so much. Like, I, I, I keep coming back to it to me because to me Creed feels like a real turning point. Like, if we can get more Kuglers, you know what I mean? 
you know, not just young black men, but young black women, you know, young black trans filmmakers, everything, just, like, making their own stories the way they want to and not it just sort of being 45-year-old white men writing what they think being 20 and black is about. Oh, yeah. You know, if we get more of these, you know, diverse stories, it'll be really cool because, you know what, there's going to be some I don't want to watch or I don't relate to or I don't like, but that's okay because, you know, there's going to be other ones that are really illuminating for people and really uh, inspiring or or affecting, you know. Um, I, uh, you know, David Bowie died this week, you know, and uh, and I've seen so many friends of mine and people I know who are really big Bowie fans talking about what his art did for them in terms of uh, opening their eyes to certain aspects of their own character or, you know, certain sexual awakening type things and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I want so badly for a movie like Creed for young black, uh, you know, film fans to see that and know that we can make we can make Rocky movies. You know, and it doesn't have to be specifically Rocky. I don't mean like we can make franchise films. I just mean that, you know, uh, we can make movies that transcend just being about being black. You know what I mean? Like just being just about being marginalized. You can make just the stories about whatever you think about. Whatever whatever you want to tell stories about. And um that it was it was I mean I've I've always wanted to see a movie like that. You know, I really liked uh I really like Dear White People and some other films like that last year and stuff. I haven't seen Dope this year. I, really I like I like Dope. It was, was, it, was it good? I'll actually it was, check it out. It was essentially it's the nerd movie. Yeah, of course. I mean, and that's but that's good. You know, I mean, that's that's a voice that's underrepresented, and I want to hear more of it. Um, but uh, you know, this was the first time with like Creed where I was like, this is an unapologetically black filmmaker and uh, a really, really killer black movie star, because that's what Michael B. Jordan is, mm-hmm. working in tandem just the way Marty De Niro did, just the way, you know, any other director, actor, pairing I can think of, you know, worked. And I want to know, I, I, every other year, I want, every two, three years, I want them to do something together. I want to see what they want to talk about this time, you know? Yeah, like, what is, what is like, I know a lot of people are very excited about uh, Cruiser's doing... Black Panther, mm-hmm. but I'm like, what? What is he doing after after he gets that Black Panther check and, and, and glow up? What is Michael B. Jordan going to do? What are they? What is, ooh, it's you know, powerful. he could easily after this make another. You know, maybe he'll make I don't know, like a Lando Calrissian movie or whatever. Who knows? But I really hope that he takes that money and he gets to do another personal story. You know what I mean? Like, I, I sort of feel there's always this nervousness when like a hot, young, interesting film voice, you know makes it into the big franchise world. Like, you know, we basically lost Chris Nolan forever, right? I mean, like, that dude is never going to make a movie for less than $100 million now. Like, now he knows he can do whatever he wants. He's only going to make big spectacles, 70 millimeter stuff. And that's cool. But I'd love another The Prestige. You know, I'd love something like that again. We might never get it, you know. And um, uh, with, you know, going from Fruit Bell to Creed, now from Creed to Black Panther – I think there's a nervousness that he's just going to get swallowed up in that style, and I don't think he will. I think he's the first filmmaker to get uh, signed into the Marvel machine that I don't think is going to get lost in the shuffle. Because um, I was worried about that with Creed, and you watch Creed, and it's so assured, it's so oh, yeah. him, you know, it's so it's it's that it's it's his own voice, and it's really cool. And uh, I hope after this he doesn't just start making hundred million dollar movies. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I, I do want, you know, more, you know, black men and more women, more black women and, and Spanish women, everybody to be making these big budget movies and not just it being, you know, 32-year-old white dudes who went to UCLA and own a lot of fucking Gundam toys or something. I want it to be different types of people making these movies, but 
at the same time, I don't want them only making those movies. You want to see the uh, more off-kilter, left-of-center stuff that they're coming, like the more personal stories. Yeah, you want to see them be able to take that 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 push, that ability to make all this stuff and be able to come back. Like, it's the same thing I hope on the non-black people, like Ryan Johnson doing episode 8. Like, a lot of people, you've already seen probably all his actual movies before this, but the fact that he makes this, a lot of people know him and will see whatever next he does mm-hmm. after Star Wars. And, you know, as much as it would be cool if he was doing both Star Wars movies, I think it's good that he'll do a Star Wars movie. It'll be monstrously huge. It'll probably be better than the last one because Ryan Johnson's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be a name, and he might be able to get funding for whatever else he wants to do. <coughs> yeah. You know, that's, and, like, that's, that's what, what I'm excited thing. about. Like, everyone was, uh, when Ava DuVernay almost did Black Panther, and people were like, I don't want her doing a Black Marvel movie. I'm like, I don't necessarily want her to have to do a Marvel movie, but if she does one, maybe whatever she wants to do next will be a little bit easier, you know? Yeah. And, like, that's, that's why I want to see... Um, these marginalized voices get a chance to make the big budget movies. It's just because, like, if you do it right and you make some money, the next time you're like, this is what I want to do, whoever has the checkbook will be like, sure, you just did this. Let's do whatever the fuck you want, you know? Yeah, I just knew when that happened. I was like, I was like, that don't seem like a good fit. And I, you know what? I imagine she had one fucking meeting with, uh, who's the dude that runs Marvel? Kevin? Kevin Feig or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I can't pronounce his name. She had one meeting with him, and he started talking about, you know, fucking Infinity Stones or whatever, and she was like, yeah, no, nah, but I was thinking about, you know, here's where I want to take it. Like, no, no, but you have to have this cameo from Doctor Strange. And she's just like, who? Like, what? <laughs> like, what about this black futurism, though? Like, like that's what I, to me, that's what I think. I think, I guess, Ryan Cooge is like, all right, I, I can make this work. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I imagine he's, he's, he's a little bit, I think he's a little, he probably sat to that meeting and was like, oh. All right, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you a little fucking, you want me to shoot six minutes of Tony talking to fucking Bucky in the woods or whatever? All right, I'll do that, but I'm going to do this too, yeah, you know? I think, and I, I think it probably helps too that they had that big public. Todd Nahasi Coates is running the Black Panther comic book. You never know what, like, extra conversations might have happened. Like, yeah, right. Like, yo, man, I might need you to come help me with this script, though. Like, we're going to do this big. Like, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm a, I'm, I, I love Coates. I, he, he's an incredible writer and, like, uh, in the last year or so, has been a really big inspiration to me personally. You know what I mean? Like just reading things he's written about and like his process, and like it makes me feel a lot better about just the act of writing. You know what I mean? As being like a young black dude, like feeling like, oh, like I can write about shit and people actually give a fuck. This is cool. Um, and I was so excited about him writing the Black Panther. And then about a week later, I started having these like I don't want to call them nightmares, but that, that makes me sound very strange. But um, like not visions either, but just like. Yo, he's never written a comic book before, right? Like, that's never... I mean, I'm not saying that writing comic books is, like, rocket science, but it's definitely, like, a different language, you know? Um, so people got so hyped with this book, and they're like, yeah, he writes the comic, maybe he wrote the movie, too. And I'm like, those are two totally different languages. You know what I mean? Like, writing comics writing writing essays, like, he it's not essays. the same. You know, uh, it's a very different muscle. And, um, I mean, I guess if anyone could become a savant of those two things. That definitely would be Coates. I think he's a, he has a, a very powerful voice and a, he's a very interesting, uh, uh, you know, person. But, like, I just I had to mentally temper my expectations a little bit because, like, you know, uh, not everybody can do everything. You know what I mean? Like, writing comics is not, like I said, maybe not rocket science, but, like, it's not, you know, anyone can't pick it up and do it. There's been a lot of 
very good writers who decided to try comics out and the shit didn't work at all, it you know, it's a different yeah. thing. Um, you know, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited. Like, it's fucking cool. You know, it's the coolest thing Marvel's announced in a very long time. Um, but this movie, I mean, like, your boy Chadwick Boseman, who uh, has the best streak, I think, ever of playing important black people in oh. history. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, this man's been Jackie Robinson and James Brown, and now he's about to be the king of Wakanda. <laughs> Um, it's a great resume to have. Yeah, he's on the low becoming, like, one of the most important young black actors of the generation. You know, and, um, I mean, that's, that's crazy to me. This movie's really gonna happen. Because we're, we're, we're only a couple of years removed from them talking about how difficult it would be to conceive of a futuristic African nation while they were in pre-production on a movie with a fucking talking tree and a raccoon with a gun. I almost see that as trolling now. Yeah, right. I mean, like, like, I almost see that as like it's that Disney shit. Was like, yeah, we can't do this. Fast forward twelve months. Guess what we're doing? Hey guys, we figured out how to have black people and technology in the same frame. Imagineering <laughs> you know? Disney way, baby. Toss them D's up, Kingdom Hearts, bitches. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I, I want to see it though. I'm I'm very excited uh, that I live in a world. Uh, where there's a black dude leading a Star Wars movie, and there's about to be a Black Panther movie. Um, there's about to be a Luke Cage show. Uh, you know, like it's, it's little things. You know what I mean? It's at a point where we're almost at back in 1995. Yeah, right. We've almost made it back to 95. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's the crazy thing too. Is just thinking about, um, you know, uh, we're we're all excited about a level of diversity that we've actually experienced before. It's not. Um, like, we're not, I mean, well, some of the stuff with blockbusters were definitely uncharted territory, but in terms of, like, you know, like, Empire and all these different black shows and stuff, it's like, that's not new. This isn't, like, a, a new achievement. We're really just kind of, like, like, getting back to how things ought to be. Yeah. Um, That's a sad thing to think about. It is. It is. It is. It's almost, it was a point when I was watching Masters of None. The, the Aziz Asari yeah, show. Yeah, it was a good show. Where he was talking about, like, the whole, like, the uh, the Indian actor thing and how, like, I think there was a little bit of controversy about him saying, like, how, like, black people have, like, a, like, a, uh, um, like, they have a person, they have, like, a, a way yeah, of... Yeah, they yeah. Yeah, they have a person yeah. that goes out there, like, and I guess people took flack for that. I was like, but, like, but he's right. If, like, if you're an Indian-American person... Who the fuck is going to think about like, that? We actually all think they have, they talk with that fucked up ass accent. <laughs> like, like, yeah, there's there there was a lot of uh, backlash to that show, and I think the backlash was largely because of the fact that Aziz was getting um, pat on the back for like real entry level observations about diversity. You know what I mean? Like they weren't groundbreaking by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought the show was really fun. I thought it was really well structured. Uh, it was funny. Uh, it was likable. And I, that that scene, that episode in particular, I thought was really impressive because you know it opens up with that montage of of you know, like you know brownface of like people pretending to be Indian. Yeah, I did. Dude in circuit, short circuit was a white dude. It blew, I that blew my mind. I never knew that, and I know who Fisher Stevens is. Like I know that actor. I've seen him on Law and Order like a million times. All right, and like that, like the, like the ongoing joke in that episode of people having their minds blown by that knowledge. That's how I was when I watched it. Like I could not believe it. I completely forgot that that Ashton Kutcher commercial happened, and I saw it multiple times. 
It's like and my mind erased it. Like, it was too fucked up for my for my. You know, mind. when I watched it, I thought about how, you know what, when I first saw that commercial, I didn't think anything of it. It didn't, like, it, it didn't register with me that that was fucked up and wrong because I wasn't really thinking about Indian people. Or at least, I, I wasn't like, I was like, ah, you know, um, it's really easy, easy to only see your side of the marginalized coin. You know what I mean? It's really easy not to think about, it's really easy to be a black man and think about racism and then not think about, things that are sexist or things that are transphobic. Like, it's easy to just only focus on what affects you. Um, and, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of people call it PC culture or social justice culture or whatever, but I do think it's cool that we live in a, a society where I think some people are becoming more aware of those things, or at least at least force themselves to try to be more aware, you know what I mean? Just to think about when you say dumb shit and try yeah. to say dumb shit in the future. And calling people out on it. I think that's what people are not used to. Just now it's just like, oh, like, why do we just have to like it? We don't just have to like it. We don't just have to accept it. It's whack. Like, yeah, the yeah. You used to be when it. people yeah. were shitty. You accepted it because you're like, well, everyone's going to be shitty. And now it's like, people shouldn't get to just be shitty. You know, I think the biggest thing you can do, too, is like, if someone calls you out on something and they're not being an asshole or whatever, you know, just think about about the thing from outside of your own perspective and go, hey, maybe they're right. You know what I mean? Like, that's all it takes. You know, most people want to stop and do the whole, like, Man, PC culture can't even take, make a joke. It's like you can make a joke, just don't be a dick. <laughs> well, even the fact it's like you're assuming the joke is funny. First, first of all, right? I don't like that you know, uh, you know, motherfuckers want to throw the word satire around like it means a hundred things that they think it wants to mean. Um, that you can just say and do fucked up shit and be like, oh god, I'm just a, comedy's gotten so much harder in the 21st century. Uh, it's like, yeah. I mean, no, yeah, comedy's hard because laughter is not an easy thing to create, but uh. You can also not be a piece of shit while you're doing it. Exactly. Like you can do both of those things at the same time. Like yeah, some of these people are like, oh, you you must really think you're Larry David. Like you think you're good. Yeah, like, you're not <laughs> razor blades, motherfucker. You're just trying to tell a joke without you know demoralizing a, a sector of humanity. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's amazing the way the internet works. It's amazing how all this works. But hey, man, I think we got a good solid. Almost two and a half hours of, of, yeah, of talking. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. And I uh, thank you for for taking this time. No, of course. Me. Thanks for having me on, man. No problem. I know it was always my plan. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get my man Dominic on this joint because they be talking good and we be watching the movies. Thanks, man. I appreciate the, the lookout. You say you never saw this coming. Well, you're not alone. Million dollar renovations to a happy home. My ex said she gave me the best years of her life. I saw a recent picture of her. I guess she was right. I wake up accessing the damages. Checking media takeout. Bitches of me drunk walking out with a bitch. But it's blurry enough to get the fake out. I wake up all veggies, no eggs. I hit the gym all chest, no legs. Yeah. Then I made myself a smoothie. Yeah. Then me and wifey make a movie. Chicago, St. Louis, St. Louis to Chicago. Underlay, underlay, E I E I. Uh oh, you had me driving fire, not to switch the time zone. You was the best of all time at the time, though. Yeah. You wasn't mine, though. But I still drove 30 hours. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, I still drove 30 hours to you. Yeah. I remember rapping for Jane Cam. Young producer just trying to get his flows off. I 
Alright folks, hope you enjoyed the episode You can follow Dominic on Twitter His handle is Captain underscore fuck Yeah, you heard that right um, He also writes for The Baltimore City Paper on film His reviews are good He also works for, writes for a Dead Shirt And some couple other sites Look him up um, You can know where you can follow me uh, at Julian Lytle L-Y-T-L-E My website is JulianLytle.com Ignorant-Bliss is the website for this podcast On iTunes On SoundCloud um, JulianLytle.tumblr.com Longboxes on 22s.tumblr.com On social media, Instagram Just type in my name I'll pop up And Don't forget Leave a review on iTunes if you like the show. Post comments on SoundCloud. You can send me messages on Tumblr and at ignorantbestpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you guys have a fine morning, afternoon, or night whenever you listen to this. Peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm.